Yeah, I was kind of muttering and yammering to myself and, and, and saying how I was like, I can hear breathing. I, I think that's Simon. I, <laughs> that I must have so. been quite a spooky experience. Yeah, but then I heard like clicking and I was like, that's either Simon clicking the mouse or the predator is there. No, that, that was me clicking the mouse. Um, okay. I, I was basically doing other shit because I was like, ah, well, TriCast is on, so as soon as Kyrie turns up, I'll hear her and it'll all be fine. And then I looked up and saw your name there with the little bar going, and I was like, oh, shit! Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm a genius. Hello and welcome to Dangerously Unprepared. I am Simon and joining me as ever is Kyrie. Hello! Jack and Rob are off doing Jack and Rob things. Uh, so this is not a fatal four-way, it's just a singles contest. I, uh, I promised a lot more than we could deliver last week, I, I do apologise. <laughs> uh, I had, I don't know, I think we're going to deliver because we're talking about something that is extremely good that we both have strong feelings about. I, I have strong feelings about it as of yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> I've been telling you you should get into it. You have. I, I almost I almost put it as part of my message for this. Oh, I watched the NXT the other day. Simon, why didn't you tell me it was this good? <laughs> I am so glad you are finally on board. So, yes, we are, in case it wasn't already obvious, talking about the NXT TakeOver Brooklyn 4 that happened this past weekend as of the time of recording and was, let's face it, so much better than SummerSlam. I, I haven't watched SummerSlam yet. Well, I've watched, sorry, I, tell a lie. I've watched a little bit of SummerSlam. Carmella lost the title, so I've, I've given up on the whole show and written it as a... As yeah, a, no, I mean, not right only off. did Carmella lose it, Becky didn't win it, spoilers. Um, yeah. So, bullshit. I right? call bullshit. And also, Ronda did win hers, so bullshit. Oh, shit, I, I didn't get to that match, so I was going to skip it anyway. I mean, obviously she did. Like, yeah. I mean, if there's... That's not even spoilers. Like, Ronda Rousey had a title match she didn't deserve, but she's Ronda Rousey. Of course she won. Mm. Uh, so, largely, it was just completely disappointing and bullshit. Uh, so, let's talk about something good. Let's talk No, actually, it was a good show. That's the thing. By WWE standards, as Phil said before we started recording, by WWE standards, it was an extremely good show. Was it, was it Big Four good? Uh, yeah. Oh, okay, I know. Cool. It's up okay. there. Like, it was... It's one of the best shows they've put on this year, maybe second best. What was the? What was? Would you say was the best? I don't know. Um, it's it's. I'd have to go back and remind myself what happened in them, but it's. I, I, I didn't I want to say it was the best, but yeah, yeah, Rumble probably takes it. Um, for the best show, uh, SummerSlam was. It was good. It wasn't as it's bad solid, as it could have been. A solid B plus. A solid B plus, but. <laughs> It, I don't know. They really should start doing like the WWE main roster shows on the Saturday and putting TakeOver on the Sunday because every time there is a TakeOver the same weekend, I watch it and then go, well, okay, tomorrow's pay-per-view ain't shit, is it? <laughs> because every single time they steal the whole weekend and they did it again this weekend with... Plus like us us losers over in Europe can actually watch an NXT thing and you most of us don't have to worry about going to work the next morning. 
Yeah, yeah, uh, which I love about that. I get to watch the TakeOver events live. So I'm just pulling up the card to remind myself of everything. I have done much the same thing. Because um, there was even the pre-show was good. Uh, and that doesn't normally happen. <laughs> Funnily enough, I actually started up with the pre-show and then realised there were no matches on it. No, there were two matches on the pre-show. Were there? Uh, Bianca oh. Belair and Diona Perazzo. Ah, but they weren't on the pre-show pre-show, as in they were... <laughs> they, they weren't were... on the kickoff. Yes, that's yes. the kickoff. That's the word I was looking for, sorry. <laughs> they were on the pre-show, but they're going to be on a future episode or something. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah we, we didn't see them, but like, I don't need to have seen them. I'm looking at the card, and I'm like, Bianca Belair is amazing. Diana yeah. Perazzo is a strong enough opponent to carry that match. Mm-hmm. But the fact that Bianca Belair was there, it was automatically good. <laughs> like, she is no, amazing. She is. And Pete Dunne versus Zach Gibson, those are two UK guys I've watched, uh, and I know them. If that's not a blinding match for the UK Championship, I will eat the UK Championship. Zach Gibson has a I was going to say he has a really really good birthday <laughs> he does doesn't he yeah <laughs> um, yeah but yeah this was a show um, that like I was saying before two different matches on this card had a year of storyline building up to them and unlike the main roster good storyline because <laughs> you're like not necessarily does that always mean there's a, a good thing I mean how long have like Reigns and Lesnar been feuding yeah, but that's not a storyline. Right, What's the yeah. story there? The story is they keep fighting each other. Yeah. That's not a story. That's just seeing the same guys in the main event every single time. Mm. That's like AKA saying like- that Triple H main eventing WrestleMania has a 20-year storyline behind it. No, it doesn't. <laughs> He's just always fucking there. I was to say, and like, having said that, like, yeah, that is pretty much just all of, of WWE circa, like, what, 2004 through 2008? Just Cena, Orton, Triple H, Batista... Yeah, pick pick which one you want and just throw a dart into the board. Yeah, pretty much. But yeah, every single match on this card was good. Every single match on this card had a storyline. And as as I was saying to you off mic uh, a mm. few days ago, the the difference between this and the main roster stuff is not only is it really really good wrestling, which you have now seen for yourself. Oh my god, yes. But I was actually invested in every single match on this card, every single one. Yeah, because they they sell it. They, the, 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 the storytelling that they, they each and every single competitor on this card had was hmm. awesome. Like, oh yeah, and you haven't even seen the shows that led up to it that built the stories. I went into this completely blind, and I was completely brought up to speed on what was going on, why each person hated the other person, yep. why each person... With, with the... With the um, actually, I was going to say, with the, with the um, exception of the tag match at the beginning, but no, I just realised ha- midway through the match, they kind of explained that one. Yeah, yeah. So... Let's let's go through them in order, so because I want to hear your takes on the people. Um, yeah. So the first match on the card was a tag team match for the NXT Tag Team Championship, and this was between two members of the Undisputed Era, mm-hmm. Kyle O'Reilly and Roderick Strong, versus the Mustache Mountain, Trent Seven and Tyler Bate. Now. I'm thinking from the way you yelled Bebe in chat before we came in that maybe you're a, a bit of a mark for the undisputed, and I have I, to say, I'm cheering for the Mustache Mountain. I wasn't actually. I, I Right, I've got to explain now, like, I'm now essentially a Brummie, so they're, they're the local boys. I've, I've got to, right. 
I've got a chant for, for Mustache Mountain. Also, cool. I absolutely fucking love Tyler Bate. Um, Tyler Bate is amazing. He is he, he a child, it. but he is amazing. <laughs> he is the one that's just like, you know, I'm 19 years old and I've been wrestling for 27 years and I killed a man. In fairness, that's every single person who was on the original <laughs> UK tournament. Yeah. Uh, but Tyler yeah, Tyler, Dunn, very much so. Pete Dunn, yes. Uh, yeah. The bruiser weight, very much so. But he's he's t- uh, Tyler Bate has turned up a couple of times on Two Hundred Five Live, which is the only show up until now uh, that I've been watching week through week. Um, and he just turned up a couple of times on that and just flattens everyone. Like just, there's just no point having any other person in the match when he's around. It's just like <laughs> Jesus. I will say the only thing I don't like about Mustache Mountain is their ring gear. I I hate when wrestlers don't wear knee pads. All right, because it, um, it really makes them look more naked than they are. Yes. And add to that that they wear really short white socks with white trainers. And I, I, I couldn't get out of my head that they look like lads who've turned up to PE and they've forgotten their kit. Well, that's, so they have to do it in their pants. Thing. They're very, yeah. very English. They are wearing <laughs> PE gym socks. Yeah. Like that's their deal. Also, you might not like this ring gear, but they actually wear quite a lot of different ring gear. Cool. They're All one right. of those teams. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. So... This team has history. Okay. So, um, Mustache Mountain, obviously, is Trent and Tyler. Yes. But they also have the stable British Strong Style, which is Mustache Mountain and Pete Dunne. okay. Yeah, right? Yeah. Uh, so, Pete Dunne, a while back now, was in a tag tournament partnered with Roderick Strong, who at the time was a face. Right. And they faced the Undisputed Era. Because the traditional tag team of Undisputed Era era, is actually uh, Bobby Fish and Kyle O'Reilly, led by Adam Cole. I saw Bobby Fish in one of the um, uh, pre-show promo things. Yep. uh, Which lasted... I'm gonna say like this is this is probably... I'm gonna occasionally have things to sort of detract from NXT because again, this is my first time watching it. The the show where they were talking about who it's like the who ran over Stone Cold the, yeah. the like who attacked um, uh, Alistair Black it went on it's like here's this person and this person and this person and I was like it, it's become too many cooks it's just going to keep going from <laughs> like it, I felt like that went on for about fifteen minutes of them going oh look there's this person there's Velveteen Dream and there's EC3 and it's just like so the entire roster you could just say the entire roster was there <laughs> pretty much. Um, so that's the only time I've seen Bobby Fish was on that. Yes. Now, uh, in that tournament, Roderick Strong turned on Pete Dunne to give the win to Undisputed Era and then joined them. Right. Which was the culmination of a long-running storyline where the Undisputed Era were telling Roddy he would get nowhere as a face, a good guy. Yeah, And he was a perfect fit for them, and he should join them. And he kept throwing their armband back in their faces and refusing to join because he was a good guy. And that went on for months. So that was a long-running storyline in and of itself. Right. So at this point, Pete has bad blood with Roddy. Roddy is now part of the Undisputed Era. There's more of them. So Pete brings his lads, and you've got British Strong Style, hate Undisputed Era, big feud between them all. At the UK Championship this year, Mustache Mountain beat Undisputed Era for the Tag Championships. Cool. Huge pop British team win in the UK tournament. Obviously, it was a transitional thing just for the UK tournament, so they have to lose it back. 
Wait, wait, can I just ask a question? Does this mean that Pete Dunne is a face? Yeah. I don't buy that for a second. Pete Dunne is a face at the moment because he's just so over. I mean, you can be over and a heel, and I just I look at Pete Dunne's face and I don't see face. Right, he is a face because he is feuding with the Undisputed Era. Who are heels. Who are cowardly chicken shit heels. It's it's like when Samoa Joe is a face. It's exactly, exactly the same. Yeah, he is an that. angry, angry man. He's just directing his anger at the people that the audience hates. Yeah, whether he's a face or a heel is how much he smiles and what at. Right. Okay. Uh, <laughs> much like Samoa Joe. Uh, so they lost it back uh, on an NXT taping in an incredible match wherein Tyler threw in the towel. Right. This is important for a spot that happened on TakeOver. It was a good spot as well. So come TakeOver, there's bad blood between British Strong Style and Undisputed Era. There's a history of tag matches between the two. So you've got all this build-up and investment. So yeah, what what did you think of the teams involved? I I was seriously blown away because I was just like, okay, cool. No, I, I I like tag team wrestling. This is cool. And then it just, like... The stuff that was on display, like the, the, the movesets, <laughs> and I'm like, this is... I, I, right, I love Trent Seven, I love Tyler Bakes, I've seen them both in the... The, um, the UK tournament. The UK championship, the first one. Yeah. Um, and I've seen Roderick Strong, because again, he turned up in 205 Live a couple of times. Yes. Um, but I've not seen uh, Kyle O'Reilly before, and some of those arm bars... And, Fish and, and O'Reilly... Oh, I, I kind of wish you'd seen this when they were both healthy and Roderick wasn't the sort of stand-in because Fish yeah. and O'Reilly together, they've been a tag team for a really long time and the shit they get up to. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll come back to horrifying looking uh, submission holds in a later match. But <laughs> some yes. of those uh, Muay Thai holds and everything were, were honest to God horrifying to see. They were yeah. awesome. It's For me, it's the sheer bloody strength of Tyler Bates. Yes. Oh, like getting put into an armbar and then just lifting the fella up. And then throwing him at your opponent. <laughs> I'm a hit a motherfucker with a motherfucker. <laughs> yep. And also when he's doing the fireman's carry and the big swing at the same time. Yes! That's like, one of his signatures, but it's when, so good every time. When you have thighs that are usually that are too large to fit into the average venue, <laughs> like, I suppose you can do that kind of thing. Yep. He a big strong boy, which is why one of the nicknames for Mustache Mountain is Big Strong Boys. <laughs> That's accurate, does what it says on the tip. Yeah, and I think you'll appreciate this especially, actually. So the day of takeover, early in the day, uh, the Big Strong Boys tweeted out a picture of Kyrie Sane with a badly photoshopped on mustache <laughs> saying new member. <laughs> Uh, so Kyrie Sane replied by tweeting out a badly photoshopped picture of her with Mustache Mountain both wearing poorly photoshopped on cartoon pirate hats, saying new crew members. Uh, they are now the Big Strong Sailors, and all three of them, Tyler, Trent, and Kyrie, have the same Twitter banner art, and it's cartoon art of Kyrie at the wheel of a pirate ship with either of them stood on each side of her. That, oh my god, that, right, that has, it's the most beautiful fucking thing I've ever heard. They are fucking adorable. I, I, I have very strong feelings about Kyrie saying you, you, you I might know. have guessed. Um, that's, oh, that's wonderful. 
So that's the big strong boys and the undisputed era. As I said, they're classic cocky chicken shit heels. Yeah, they're really good at it. Uh, none more so than Adam Cole, who we'll come back to later in the card. <laughs> yep. But uh, Fish and O'Reilly and even Roderick Strong now do it well too. Yeah. Um, like they're really solid, like way better than anything I've seen on on any other tag team yeah. match I've watched recently. And they're not even the top of the tag division. <laughs> like they are, I mean, yeah. they are the championship right now, but I wouldn't say they're the best tag team in NXT. They they just happen to be sort of there at the moment yep. until they're the most yeah. over. Yeah, for I, sure. I definitely. That that was oh, again. We'll come back to that with Adam Cole. Um, I, that's the thing that made me go. Oh, yeah, I've got a lot to talk about on this show. That was something that really struck me in this match is. There was a clear face-heel divide, but yeah. the crowd could not stop with the back and forth of Mustache Mountain, undisputed Mustache Mountain, mm. undisputed for the whole match. Like, yeah. that was a lively crowd. And I right, I honestly thought this was going to be a real problem because it's like, it's a smart crowd. Um, they're going to be cheering for all the heels and all the faces. Like, everyone's just going to get cheered. No one's going to get booed all night. And we'll come to a point later, I know I keep saying this, but we'll come to a point later <laughs> on where someone gets fucking booed and I'm like... Thank you. Oh, that's going to be most of the show because to explain the backstory to the main event is going to take forever. Yeah, so that's over a year of that's well and over I, a year of backstory. And I wasn't even talking about the main event. Well, no, but uh, we'll, we'll talk about Tommaso Ciampa when we talk about Tommaso oh, Ciampa. But oh yes. my god, I have a lot to say about Tommaso Ciampa. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, yeah, the big spot in this one, of course, is when Tyler is in the submission hold and Trent Seven goes for the towel. And he looks like he's going to throw it in. It looks like it's going to be a repeat of what happened before and throw in the towel submission loss. And then he hurls it into the crowd and just yells at Tyler, come on, Tyler, fight him. And I loved that spot so much. So much emotion just pouring out of a giant brummy. You've yep, got to love it. Because they're, they're absolutely not ashamed to talk about the history of how Trent trained Tyler. So he's his protege and, you know, They've really built up that relationship between the two of them. So, you know, Trent's just proud of his little boy. And <laughs> it really comes across like Trent is very much the the father figure or the older brother figure in that one. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, yeah, obviously the Undisputed Era retained because it was only ever a, a UK championship victory for them. But this is what I love about NXT, like over on the main roster, if I see someone I love lose a championship, I go, oh, fuck it. You know, I'm, <laughs> I'm pissed off and salty now. Yeah. But on NXT, even when the people I love lose, I'm like, that was a fucking good match. I'm happy yeah. with that. I'd, I'd have bought a Mustache Mountain victory and, and championship just basically because I'm like, oh my God, they're, they're fantastic. Yes. And I'm like, wait. Maybe not. So, Jesus, what else is there that this company can, this this promotion can <laughs> offer? Man, I better watch every fucking week from now on. And then, of course, we had the uh, spot at the end of the match of the War Raiders coming in. And I, right, I this is something I've I've picked up from from the Attitude Era podcast, uh, who were talking about this. It's like, what is it that makes me love a wrestling promotion? Is it great storytelling? Uh, occasionally, is it great athleticism? <laughs> Yeah, all right, possibly. Now, you want to get me into a into a new promotion, show me what is best. Show me a fat cunt doing a moonsault, and that is it. I am suddenly all about this promotion. Oh, man. Show me a well, big guy diving off of something. Have I got the promotion for you? Because War Raiders are only one of those tag teams in NXT. You've also got heavy machinery. 
who that, that sounds like a great name. No, they are. They are Dozovich and oh fuck, I've forgotten the other guy's name. But that's an amazing name. Yes. But they are two big guys who whose catchphrase appears to be "I'm hungry," uh, <laughs> and they like the com- compactor is their finisher, which is where they both splash you at the same time, and that's like six hundred pounds of splash. Jesus, uh, they're amazing. I love them. They're they're the sort of cheerful face big guys, as opposed to the the Vikings. Who I, and I, the War I Raiders thought. are yeah the sort of heelish, brutish bad uh, bad guy big guys. I could I could be mistaken in this. They could have just been breathing really heavily, right? But I thought they were saying "huss" over and over again, and I'm like, are they are they doing the berserkers gimmick? I mean, they may well be. From, from the early 90s, when he would just say, hus, hus, I mean, hus. I would not put it past them. I couldn't tell if they were doing that or literally were just breathing really heavily because that giant man just flung himself off the goddamn top rope. <laughs> yep, the agile big guys is a thing in the tag division of NXT. You will be well taken care of here. Good. <laughs> Good. Uh, but that's clearly like the upcoming feud. War, uh, war Raiders, or as they were known in the indies, the War Riders are one of those big indie gets. So they've come in and stormed their way to the top of the division. I'm I'm looking at a photo actually of, of heavy machinery, right? Yep. It's like it's like Rhino went into a like a transporter accident and got split into two different people. Oh my god, I know what you mean. I'm like I'm looking at them going, that's that's two different sort of but it's they're both Rhino. Yeah. But, but like, I don't know, mirror universe and good guy. It's Funhouse Mirror Rhino. One looks slightly taller and thinner, and one like, looks slightly shorter and fatter, but they're both reflections of the same dude. <laughs> I, I'm going to like these guys, I think. I think you are. I, I adore them. They're so good. Uh, moving on, a match I figured you might like, because oh, here's yes. EC3. I, I'm a massive fan of EC3. War Machine. They my... were War Machine in Ring of Honor. Thank you, Phil. Ah. Uh, yes, the the War Raiders were War Machine. That's right. Um, cool. Yeah, but EC3 of TNA fame, who, despite the fact in TNA, his, his name was Ethan Carter III, that's where the EC3 comes from, uh, portraying a relationship with Dixie Carter, is still EC3 in NXT. Which confuses me doubly, because didn't he get his start in NXT? Mm-hmm. Under the name... Yep, he did. Fucking, oh, something... Bateman, Derek Bateman? Something like that, but yes, he did. And he's up against Velveteen Dream, one of my favourites from NXT, and I hope one of yours. Now he is. Good. (laughs) Who also started in NXT when it was a sort of Survivor-style reality TV show. Yeah. Which they have played with uh, in his current NXT run, where one of his opponents pointed out that he was in that and didn't even win. And then it cuts to footage of him on that show. And then it cuts back to Dream in a sort of interview spot, just going, the Dream has no memory of this. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so we're talking about two guys who did get started in early, early NXT um, and are now on TakeOver. Yeah. Um, and there's less storyline to this one. There's a lot less storyline to this one. The storyline here is basically Velveteen Dream. 
he's had an interesting history where he's been in most of the takeovers in big matches. He's faced uh, Cassius Ono. He's faced Ricochet. He's faced Alistair Black. And now EC3. And the interesting thing about every single one of his feuds, every single one of these pay-per-view fights, as it were, is the build-up has been Dream wants to fight them. It's not a face heel thing. It's not a you've pissed me off or wronged me thing. It's a you're really good. I'm going to fight you. I think I might be better. There's only one way to find out. Yep. And it's in character. It's literally Dream going, you're good. I'm going to beat you to prove I'm good. Or I want your respect. Or, you know, I want to be acknowledged in the same spotlight as you. Mm. It's, It's that simple. And it works uh, because they're left with respect for each other. And I heard an amazing theory as to why this is. You look at who he's for. Alistair Black, who is a former NXT champion, uh, very recently former, and like an amazing martial arts specialist coming out of the dojos of the Netherlands, which... uh, only coming out of NXT, I looked up, is a big deal. Like, there's a lot of kickboxing in Holland. Okay. Uh, and he's also a scary motherfucker. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You've got Cassius Ono, who's a big indie darling. He was a big fan favorite in NXT. Another sort of really popular guy. Mm. Ricochet. Couldn't get more over if he tried. Couldn't be more popular if he tried. Big I fan. Thought, I thought that as well, but we'll get on to that in the next oh, match. Yeah, yep. uh, EC3. Hugely over in NXT. Very popular. And uh, they've got another War Games coming up. Oh! So what about the Velveteen Dream Team? Fuck! I know, right? <laughs> uh, so yeah, this match literally comes about from the fact EC3's come in and said he's going to turn it into NX3, and this is his time, and you know it's his promotion, and Velveteen Dream is like, oh no, no, no. Oh, no, 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 no. (laughs) There is only room for one giant predatory (laughs) ego here. Yep, that's basically the whole storyline. And Dream comes out in the most amazing tights. Yes, the call me up Vince. Call me up Vince. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Which Triple H actually made uh, made a great joke about in a press conference after the event, uh, where he said, uh, oh, no, there's no hidden message there. No, that's just for a friend of his called Vince. (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah, uh, dream style. Like I said, he's, he's the prince, um, of, uh, wrestling. Yeah. With the, the purple rain, the purple mist, the third eye glasses. I love those fucking glasses. He's just everything about him oozes charisma. He's just that kind of weird artist who's incredibly full of himself, but can back it up. Can back it up and does back it up. Although, I mean, he's taken a lot of losses in these NXT TakeOver main events. Like, he lost mm. to um, Alistair Black. Uh, he lost to Ricochet. But, again, as I was saying, he never looks weak in his losses. Yeah, his losses look are, uh, if not mo- uh, moral victories, like in the case of Alistair Black, which I've, I have heard about, mm. um, then at least you can sort of tell that he's learned something from it. And it's just like, no, this is actually just making him look better. Yeah, and, and that's... The meta story here, like Patrick Clark is 23. Wow. Uh, so he is 
as much as Triple H has now said that he doesn't see NXT as a farm division anymore, it's not a it's not a development division. It's a third. It's brand. its own thing. Yeah, it is, and that's why Dream's there. He's twenty three. He's new to the business, and he's still learning. And he's learning from Alistair Black. He's learning from Cassius Ono. He's learning from Ricochet. He's learning from EC3. You know, uh, he's picking his training partners well. And he's hanging with them. Like, all of those people have completely different styles. And he looks good across from them. And if you know wrestling as a collaborative effort, rather than the competitive effort they try and put it across as, to watch him work with people with such disparate styles and look good, even when he's losing, you're sitting there going, Jesus, kid, you're going to go a long way. Yeah, absolutely. Future Hall of Famer. I'm calling it now, you know. Or we'll go the way of some other NXT people that get called up and will be squandered on the main roster. But that's the point. He's 23. Even if he gets squandered for five years, then he's 28 when they start to realize what they've got. Right. If he gets squandered for 10 years on the main roster, he's 33 when they realize what they've got, and AJ Styles is still main eventing. And he's, what, 43? Yeah, exactly. He'd still have yeah. a good decade of career if it took the WWE 10 years to realize what he was good at. You know? Good point. He's a future yeah. Hall of Famer. Um, but yeah, EC3, as good as you would expect him to be. I fucking love that man. I, I I'm just unashamedly a massive mark for for EC3. <laughs> I don't blame you. He's brilliant at what he does. They had a thing, um, a vignette on one of the NXT TV shows before this takeover, where they had a summit, uh, where Velveteen Dream summoned EC3 to a pre-match summit at poolside. <laughs> yeah, where it looked like Dream was. First of all, they're just talking, and then it looks like Dream was trying to trick him and push him in the pool, so EC3 picks him up in a fireman's carry and then just drops him in the pool himself. And it was just such a them thing of, let's get shirtless <laughs> poolside and then get wet. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, this couldn't be more perfectly Velveteen Dream and EC3 if it tried. They are a match made in heaven. <laughs> so yeah, um, again, I could have believed that match going either way. If either man had got the pin on the other... Yeah, I'd have been happy. And I've got to say, Velveteen Dream's fucking finisher. <laughs> I was like, the purple oh, rainmaker. Cool, uh, no, the uh, the Dream Valley driver. Oh yes, the uh, yes. And where I was like, oh look, he's he's setting up to do a he's setting up to do a Death Valley. Dri- oh my yep. god, he did a fucking cartwheel. He did. He does a rolling Death Valley driver. That should, he, not only does he do a fucking rolling Death Valley driver, he does a rolling Death Valley driver on the apron. Which is the hardest part of the ring, as the and WWE commentators feet. will continually tell you. <laughs> and he lands on his goddamn feet. He's a pretty agile dude. It's terrifying. You know, the guy managed to hang with Ricochet. He's a pretty agile dude. And and busts open EC3's face at the same time yeah. as well. Yeah, oh man, <laughs> EC3 posted some Instagrams of his eye socket after the match. He was I, said, yeah, I, thought, I thought it was like the I thought it was like the the top of the nose, like the bridge of the nose. His his whole eye socket was swole. Like uh, he he got roughed up. Poor little bugger. But speaking of Ricochet, yes. Now this was the match where I was like, okay, I love EC3, but I. Fucking love Ricochet. Haven't seen him in anything that wasn't, you know, having massive amounts of Japanese subtitles uh, streaming over the page. Um, so this was going to be amazing. I was like, 
okay, cool. I fucking love Ricochet. He looks amazing yep. in that suit. I might have a little bit of a crush on Ricochet because like the whole way through all that promo series is I like, oh yeah, they're explaining why this match is a big deal for these two. And the whole way through, I'm just looking at Ron and going, he's wearing a really nice suit. And then about 20 seconds later, like, his eyebrows are exquisite. And I'm like, oh, fuck. I might actually just just have a crush on Ricochet. Yeah, okay, cool. and I can't really blame you. Um, cute as hell. But it, yeah, and it's just like, but oh, this is the thing is, I went into this going, all right. Hello. Um, like, My cat has joined in. He has. Um, I'm just like, right, okay, I'm going to, I'm just going to be behind Ricochet in this. Like, I don't care who this, who's this other guy? Adam, Adam Cole. Cole, baby. And that's the thing is just like, I was like, oh, who's this, this just other guy? He's just, you know, name and trunks. Yeah. You know, like, oh, I don't care. He's not got a gimmick. I'm, I, I can't get into this. And then his fucking entrance. And it was, I was just like, oh, no, he's, he's got a lot of people behind him, despite the fact that I think, I, I'm guessing he's a heel. Like, there's yeah. a lot of people behind him. But and there's the a lot he- of people in the NXT audience. You know me. I love a heel. Yeah. Me too. And there's a lot of people in the NXT audience who love a heel. And this is the thing. They will play along and boo them when it's appropriate to the show. But when it comes to going, Adam Cole, baby. But he they also will. didn't get booed. He got he got loads of cheers on the way he out. Did. Like the Undisputed boo- Era got cheers. And that's yeah. my point, is they will boo when it's appropriate to the storyline. See the main event. Yeah. Uh, see the women's match. Yes. But <laughs> if it's not that important, and it isn't that important in this one, it's just two egos. Because Ricochet is a face, but he's an ego. Yes. They will cheer for who they love, and they love Adam Cole. He is the head of the Undisputed Era, and you saw the reaction they got. Yeah, and it wasn't... It wasn't even the Adam Cole baby thing, which I, <laughs> I, I fucking up. I have used that far too many times today I know. already. It's so um, imitatable. Uh, it, it was when he gets up onto the apron and he just, the camera just slowly zooms in towards him and he just smirks and just points the thumb up and just mouths, boom. But the entire crowd says it in unison. It's just this boom as he's pointing yeah. himself and smirking. I'm like, Oh my god, this is the coolest motherfucker ever. And that's the thing. Ricochet who? Like, Undisputed Era's whole gimmick is they are the coolest motherfuckers in NXT. Right. But they're also chicken shit arrogant heels. But I buy it so much. (laughs) That one moment, just the boom, and I'm like, this man can do no wrong. And that's how they get away with it. I haven't seen him wrestle yet. Like, they are cool, charismatic, and excellent wrestlers. And the point about Undisputed Era is they would be an amazing face team they don't have to cheat. They don't have to use the numbers advantage. They don't have to assault people backstage. But they do. Yes. And that's the to me, that's the perfect kind of heel. When you're actually good enough, you don't need to do this shit, and you do it anyway because it's easier, then you're a heel. It's, it's like going back to a really, really old, old, early, very early episode of SmackDown when uh, Triple H was champion, and he got into a fucking random match against Al Snow. <laughs> <laughs> and he jumped him backstage and beat him up. And I'm like, yep. Hunter, <laughs> that's, that's unnecessary. Al <laughs> you, do you not think you could beat Al Snow in a straight fight? Yep. But it's, again, it's such a perfect thing for a heel. Like he will, he doesn't even have to do it, but he's still going to do yeah, it. Exactly. And yeah, Adam Cole's great. Ricochet is amazing. It's phenomenal. Like, it, it, breaking physics. And this whole match comes basically out of Ricochet saying Adam Cole is not a fighting champion, which is true. And that he is a coward, which, based on the character, is true. And Adam Cole going, fuck you. No, I'm not. 
Oh, now I've got to prove it. Damn. <laughs> I got to say the one thing that drew, like really drew me away from Adam Cole and back towards Ricochet is when Rowan pointed out he looks like he uh, he looks like Shawn Michaels, doesn't he? And it was just this moment where he was in the corner with the hair draped down over his face, yep. like weeping. And I was like, "That's the oh, thing, though, no. right? He doesn't just look like Shawn Michaels. He carries himself like a heel, Shawn Michaels. He fights like a heel, Shawn Michaels." And not just because of the goddamn super kick. No, not just, although he has an amazing super kick. Especially in this match. You watch an Adam Cole match, and it looks like old school Shawn Michaels. Before everything went to yeah. shit. He he feels like this generation Shawn Michaels. He really does. And that's yeah. a good thing. Like, Shawn Michaels in his prime was amazing. So yeah, it's like... Oh man, he it was really weird. But the moment I saw it, I just couldn't help but just when he was in the corner of the ring and his hair was over his face, it looked like he was crying. And I just wanted to, I just thought he was gonna look up and say, I'm sorry, I love you. <laughs> and then kick Ricochet was... in the face. I'm sorry, Ricochet, and then kick him in the face. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that fucking super kick when Ricochet is doing the, the, the oh, moonsault. The one that caught him in the throat. I've seen it now in slow motion. I'm like, man, that looked really nasty. Then I saw it in slow motion, I'm like, oh my god, I'm I'm I've seen this match. Yeah. And I'm still not convinced Ricochet is still alive. No, that actually that was looked like it was a bit of a botch. Like that Ooh. came really close to the windpipe. That was uncomfortable to watch in slow mo. Yeah, uh, but luckily Ricochet got up, kept going, all good. But Ricochet is one of those guys, right? I've seen him do a lot of the stuff he does with Will Ospreay, the very choreographed stuff that gets yes. criticised as being wrestling ballet that doesn't dot, dot, look dot, like a dive. fight. Um, and one thing I like in NXT is he's making it look like a fight. Yes. He'll have his cocky moments where he'll cancel out the suicide dive, springboard back, land perfectly in a superhero landing in the middle of the ring. But it's not part of this balletic display. It's just part of the match. It's just him showing off. Yeah, it's just like, I'm going to get my character across this way um, and continue telling the story. Exactly. But I look at Velveteen Dream, and I say, future Hall of Famer, because dude yeah. works safe. I believe yes. he's got 20 to 30 years in him. I look yeah. at Ricochet and I go, dude, look after yourself. Please. Please. Some of those bumps scare the shit out of me. And it's like, I'm trying to think of like, who was, who was taking the really weird, bad, huge bumps back in like the early, the mid 2000s, like um, London and Kendrick. Mm. Now Kendrick is still doing stuff. But what's Paul London up to yeah. these days? Well, like, I mean, you heard the news about Matt Hardy? No. His pelvis and spine are fusing. Oh. And so God. he's having to retire from in-ring competition. Oh. Uh, you know, you, you look at these guys who take these outlandish bumps, and they look amazing, but, like, every one of them's going to take time off your career. And you go to, the, like, the ultimate example of things. You go to, to Mick Foley. Yeah. Yeah, you go to Mick Foley in his in, in sort of I was gonna say like in his elderly years. He's not that old. No, he's like not. looking back at himself and just saying, you know, my God, what the hell have I done to myself? And like, oh God. But yeah, uh, so looking at Adam Cole, looking at Undisputed Era, I recommend going back and looking at War Games. Oh, I will. Like do. the match concept is still ridiculous, but <laughs> but bloody hell, way. that match. Oh, oh God. Yeah, if you like agile big guys, you need to watch that match, if only 
because of Demo. Demo? Big dude insanity. Oh, okay. He is one of the most innovative agile big guys ever. So that's um, formerly Eric Young's stable, isn't it? Because he's now on the main roster. Well, all of Sanity have gone up to the main roster, apart from Nikki, who is still in NXT. So Demo's there with him, uh, along with... um, It's Alexander Wolf, I think. Right. Um, And... Oh, Wolfie. No, no, not not Wolfie. Alexander Wolf, who is a German wrestler. Right. Who is into Scar and Skanks. So it looks that like fucking... the whole sanity deal with the chaos stars and the, the <laughs> punk dress, but skanks quite happily when he wins. That is a money gimmick. Hey, I he's will, great. I will, I will back that man forever. But then they have Demo, the Beast of Belfast. Who is... Wait, 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 wait a minute. Wasn't that... Wait, wasn't that... Uh, what's his name? Um, fucking Finley's name. No, he was, the, was he the Belfast Bruiser? He was the Belfast Bruiser. Killian Dane, Damo, is the Beast of Belfast. He is 360 pounds. He is six foot three inches, and he does aerial shit that he should not do. He does, um, like in War Games, I think there was a spot where he had someone hung up in the turnbuckle and someone else lying in front of the turnbuckle like... um, like they would be for taking a uh, moonsault off the turnbuckle. So he right. runs, vaults the guy lying on the floor, drop kicks the guy in the ropes, and then sentons the guy lying on the floor in one move. Ah. And he's 360 pounds. Um, <laughs> oh, okay. He's a scary motherfucker, is what I'm saying. And also very hairy. Yeah. He is, I've just noticed. Uh, which is like, a, a classic example of how things get fucked up on the main roster because Vince has put him in a singlet because he's too hairy. Whereas in NXT, they let him be a large man in trunks who was extremely hairy. It's also just really pale as well. Well, yeah, I mean, he's from Belfast. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, yes. But... It's, don't you understand? The, the British and Irish competitors have to not tan so that they shine like the sun. I was about to say, that's not true. There's, and I was thinking about it, I go, wait, mm-hmm. gun, bait, seven, page, sh- Seamus. Seamus. <laughs> fucking hell. Um, yeah. Jack Gallagher. Yep. They're not oh, allowed to tan. Hell. If you're British or Irish, you're not allowed to tan. Wait, there's, there's got to be someone. <laughs> Regal? Uh, yeah, but he's been over there so long, I don't think he counts anymore. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there's got to there's gotta be someone. <laughs> Oh, oh, uh, oh, Barrett? Is he still I don't a know thing? if he's even still a thing. Uh, okay. So yeah, that was the uh, North American Championship, which is like the newest belt in NXT, and I, I'm so glad they've got it. Because for the longest time, it was just Tag Women's Championship. And yep. they needed a mid-card belt, because suddenly they had a roster stacked with so much talent, not everyone could be in the championship picture, and it's like, what do we do with all these amazing guys? Fight forever. That's what you can Fight do. Fight forever. Uh, that is a good. That chant. is a common chant in NXT. Mm. That's what. That's what you want to um, know about that. He is. That is a common chant. And also, apparently, also, Barrett I, is now the commissioner of World of Sport. Oh my god! Okay, cool. So he is still a thing, just not in WWE. Brilliant. 
Actually, he could have fallen back on his degree in marine biology, but no. He, he could yeah. have, but he didn't. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, like I went into this going, right, ricochet, ricochet all the way. And then I saw Adam Cole's entrance and I'm like, fuck that ricochet guy. I'm all about Adam Cole. And then ricochet won the match. I'm like, fuck yeah, ricochet won, just as he should have did. Yeah, welcome to NXT. I, I would have been equally happy if, if Cole had retained. But man, I fucking love ricochet. Yep. Like, and have you noticed a trend here? That's three matches down, three matches we've gone. I would have been happy either yeah, way. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that tells you everything you need to know I, about I NXT. would have preferred it if Mustache Mountain won, I guess. And I would have preferred it if EC3 won, I guess. But I'm not unhappy. And what followed was the only match on the card where I did care who won. Oh, this, yes. Oh, my and, <laughs> and the crowd clearly cared as well because while I said oh, yeah. how they will they'll cheer the faces and they'll cheer the heels Kyrie Sane comes out I fucking love everything about Kyrie Sane like I have I have never been behind a wrestler as much as I am with Kyrie Sane <laughs> like the the entrance the the, the music the, the the every fucking the thing. pirate wheel yes the smiles <laughs> I I just want her to be happy. Kyrie is so good. Like when she won the Mae Young Classic, which by the way is the key to this whole storyline. Yes. I I honestly just sat there and went, how are they gonna get another like Japanese women's wrestler that over when they've just had Oscar? Yes. Like they can't repeat that. They can't catch lightning in the bottle twice. The real question is, are they going to do it a fucking third time with this year's Mae Young Classic? Yoshirai coming in. Yeah. Oh my god! Um, so yeah, I was really sort of... I like her. I think she's amazing. I've seen some of the stuff she's done in Japan. I think she's great. Um, and some of the stuff she's done with Io is amazing, so yep. bring it on. Um, but I was like, uh, I, I don't know if this is the time to slot her into the roster because... Oscar's shadow is still cast pretty far over this ring. Yeah. I was wrong. Yeah. Like, um, because she's such a different character. She came in as such a happy, bright, bouncy, major key entrance music pirate princess. I, I love that music so much. It is just, I think it, it's, it's just skies of Arcadia, but oh my <laughs> God, I love it. And yeah, uh, Opponent is Shayna Baszler, who is booed relentlessly. It's yes. incredible. The hate for Baszler. So you know me, you know that I love the meta of wrestling. Yeah. I love the stories around the wrestling. I love the stories about the wrestlers and the business, perhaps even more than the product. Yes. So I have a lot of time for Shayna Baszler. Mm. I mean, yes, she sort of came in alongside Ronda Rousey as two of the sort of UFC four horsewomen. Yeah. But unlike Ronda, Shayna has a history in pro wrestling. Okay. She's been doing it for the love of it, even while she was at UFC. Okay. Uh, she trained with Mercedes Martinez, who you will also have seen in the Mae Young Who Classic, was incredible, yeah. Who was incredible, and they're besties. And so whilst Ronda has come in and just been Ronda Rousey... She, the name to, to go with everything, yeah. Exactly. She doesn't have a gimmick. She doesn't have a character. She's just like, hi, I'm Ronda Rousey. You may have seen me in. I'm just, can I just take a quick sidebar just for me to rant a little bit about Ronda Rousey in the WWE? 
please do because I I hate the fact that that transphobic little piece of shit is champion. Every, and every time I've seen her turn up at a thing, I'm just like, oh look, there's there's transphobic domestic abuser Ronda Rousey. Um, yep. But it's specifically that she is. A, right, she's billed as a killing machine, right? That she is, she's yes. just a submission expert, uh, UFC fighter. And as much as I hate Ronda Rousey for yeah, yeah, yeah everything, everything you just said, yeah. I will grant her she is one of the most dangerous judoka on the planet. Right, yes. Now here's the thing, and she is billed as basically being able to destroy anyone that gets in her way. And how does she come down to the ring? <laughs> Smiling, not like evil smile and not mono- like not evil smile like a proper heel and not yeah. maniacal smile like that time Brock Lesnar got his name announced at the Rumble and was just like this year just sort of bouncing around and giggling that was terrifying but just yeah. beaming really really sweetly and waving at people I'm like no well you say that but it works for Oscar but with Oscar you can buy that she's basically just you look at her and go yeah she's smiling but there's there's nothing <laughs> with 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 fucking Rousey, she's just going, yay, I'm so happy to be here. I'm like, no, yeah, you are supposed to be a monster. Like, be that or be fucking white meat baby face. Right. And that's the thing. Uh, that's exactly the comparison I was going to draw is Rhonda has no sense of the business. Yeah. She's come in. She hasn't developed a character. She hasn't developed a gimmick. She hasn't developed her persona and... She doesn't hang together as a wrestler, and they, as a product for wrestling uh, promotion. And they really exposed that at the fucking, I think it was Extreme Rules. What was, was her first her first match against, uh, where, where she challenged um, Nia Jax for the title? Was that, uh, was that Extreme Rules? No, that, that, that must have oh, been was the one before that. Money in the Bank. Yeah, Money in the Bank. Because um, Alexa won it that night and cashed in that night. Yes. So, uh, yeah, Money in the Bank, where it was her, it was her match for the Raw women's title, right? Yes. Did you see they did a tale of the tape before that match? Yep. That had on it, you know, their height, weight, finisher, mm-hmm, etc. Mm-hmm. Number of matches wrestled on Raw. Right? I forget how many yep. Nia Jax had. Ronda Rousey, zero. Yep. And I'm like, I'm sorry, what? She's she's the number one contender for the Raw women's title. She has never had a match right. on Raw. You realize that now she has won it. Yep. And that number is three. Fucking hell. Which is why, like, I was so behind Alexa Bliss at SummerSlam because her whole deal going in was saying that Ronda Rousey is nothing but an overhyped rookie. Yeah. And this is why I wanted Alexa to retain because she's fucking right. She absolutely is. Like, what I would have done for that match is if they're trying to build Ronda into this threat and into this main eventer, she's had three matches. What you should do is have Alexa Bliss get herself deliberately disqualified so she takes the loss but keeps the championship. And Ronda fucking go off on her. Ah, yeah. Like Alexa deliberately disqualifies herself and says, you don't deserve this. And then Ronda just beats the shit out of her. Mm. Ronda comes out of it looking strong and technically won. So Alexa takes the loss. She's got to win over the champion. Yeah, on, on her record. But she yeah. hasn't won the championship after three fucking matches. It's it's so disrespectful to, to the anyway, roster. We're not talking we're not. about how infuriating Ronda Rousey is. But it does give context to the difference between her and Shayna Baszler, who came in and they sold her as a legit UFC fighting machine who is a monster. Yep. And, and as Rowan put it, when she, when she, every time she turned up in a, in a video package, when she, whenever she saw Shayna Baszler, she's like, I'm not entirely convinced Shayna Baszler isn't a Terminator come back from the future. Yeah. Like, she is 
so fucking intimidating. Now, I will say this. She bills herself as the Queen of Spades, and every time it's said, I have to... Uh, no, nope. it's Queen of Spades, and I have to think of, to myself, does she know what that means? Because I swear... Is she aware? Because I'm not aware, but Queen of Queen of Hearts is what they said on the commentary thing, and I remember... Th- that's why I was making a comment, I'm going, wait a minute. It's Queen of Spades, because she's got the spade yeah. logo all over I- her gift. Now... Queen of Spades, okay, it's a term used in certain sexual contexts for a woman who is extremely into black men. Huh. Okay. And I'm like, does she know? She must know. That must be a nodding. That's some, that's some, I'm sorry, just that's some old school racist terminology I there. I know, like, isn't it just? That, and that's, it makes me a little uncomfortable every time they say it. Yeah. But these, uh, anyway. Maybe that's why they said Queen of Hearts on this show. Maybe. <laughs> or maybe, <laughs> maybe they just fucked up. I don't know. But she has a history in this business, so she decided she was going to be a character, something Rhonda has not tried at all. So her whole deal is she thinks she's better than everyone because she's a legit UFC fighter. And you know what? It's very difficult to fault her on that. It is. She's very good. She can back it up. And... She's also arrogant and a bully. She is a bully heel. Yeah. Like, hugely. Her whole deal was basically walking into the women's locker room and going, this is mine now. Like, they literally had a backstage thing in the women's locker room of her going in and popping Oscar's name off a locker, putting her own on and going, this is now my locker room. You're all on fucking notice. And she proceeded to spend a year demolishing the women's division. Um. And not just that, but she would, they, they had backstage vignettes of her beating people up in training, like taking it too far. Yeah. Uh, after the matches, she would reapply submission holds and deliberately injure the women. Yep. Uh, she got in uh, Dakota Kai's head and bullied her for like a month, just tormenting and mentally destroying this poor woman. And she's put herself over as. A bully, yeah, but an unbeatable bully. You know, uh, she beat Oscar. She ended that streak. Yeah, she has ruined everyone, even wait, thought, Nikki Cross. Did she, wait, the streak. Wait, so the streak didn't end with Charlotte Flair, or um? Oh wait, no, no. She sorry, she took the championship after Oscar. Right. Okay. Because uh, I forget how Oscar actually. She was injured, but I can't remember if she injured her. Yeah. I forget the exact details of Oscar leaving, but um, yeah, so Oscar was legit injured and um, yeah, and she picked it up afterwards yeah. in a tournament. Um, so yeah, she, she took over the reins from Oscar, as it were, cool. and was undefeated uh, even Nikki Cross, who did beat her in a match, but it was a match that only existed inside Nikki Cross's own mind. Yes, I remember you mentioning this, yeah. <laughs> um, when it came to an actual title defense, she beat Nikki Cross. Um, so she's taken out everyone, all the biggest threats. Um, the only woman on the roster who has a win over Shayna Baszler is Kyrie Sane from before either of them were champion. And before either of them were technically in NXT. Yes, because it's from the Mae Young Classic. Yep. So this has been like the albatross around her neck, the sort of uh, overshadowing thing. Um, 
And you'll have seen the little interview vignette they did where she says, you know, people always forget, I have beaten Kyrie Sane. Yeah. And, and Kyrie and, Sane says, I haven't beaten Shayna since the May Young Classic. Yep. And the thing is, that's so true because I said going into this, you know, well, Kyrie is the only woman on the roster that Shayna's never beaten. And then she did the little, people always forget that I beat Kyrie Sane. I went, oh, yeah, we do, don't we? Yeah. <laughs> I did forget that. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so this was the rubber match. This was the equalizer. You know, they've got one win on each other, and this one's for the championship after Shayna has been a dominant monster. Uh, so, and, and a bully. And the thing is, going back to the whole appreciation that the meta of wrestling and the wrestlers, I really like Shayna. Yes. Yeah. Like she has come in, worked her ass off, created a character, and she's done it well. And oh my God, is she a heel? Yeah, she's so believable. <laughs> But then I'm also a mark. <laughs> because if Kyrie hadn't won, yeah, <laughs> I would have fucking lost it. She so deserved it. And and I was I was from the from the get-go, I was just like, you've gotta do this, Kyrie. You've gotta win this. And what you missed was the the NXT before takeover. Mm. Where Kyrie had a match um as one of the competitors in a championship match will always have a match on the on before. Yeah. And Shayna comes out, interrupts it, and just sits on commentary. Right. So playing head games. And she's literally saying to the, the commentary team, you know, Kyrie just doesn't have that killer instinct. Yeah, yeah. At which point Kyrie puts a pin on her opponent. Now Kyrie Sane is one of the facest faces that ever faced. She lifts the opponent up on the two count. Yeah. Which is traditionally a heel move. Yeah. And then decides, even though her opponent is clearly out, she's going to give her the insane elbow. Which is still the best goddamn elbow drop in the entirety of wrestling history. Three times. Uh-huh. Whilst eyeballing Shayna Baszler between each one. And then finished her opponent with a submission whilst keeping eye contact with Shayna Baszler, as Shayna Baszler is saying, Kyrie Sane doesn't have the killer instinct. And Kyrie's like, oh, don't I? <laughs> oh, fuck you. And so the commentators that are going, is this the Kyrie Sane you're going to be facing at TakeOver? Okay, does that change things? And Shayna's like, no, <laughs> I'm fine. Uh-oh. So that was the sort of immediate setup for this match, mm. was this is a different Kyrie Sane. Which she showed off a bit in this match, and yeah, like uh, this is this is the match that made me go, oh, maybe some some amount of strong style isn't that bad. Because <laughs> I normally hate the whole like, I punch you, you no sell; you punch me, I no sell, and back and forth. Yeah. Like, I normally fucking hate that. In this, it just worked because it was like, no, neither of these two is going to just stop and 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 take a moment. So it's just bam, bam, back and forth. Like, yeah, no, okay, absolutely. <laughs> So yeah, they put on an incredible match. It was phenomenal. I I, I love Kyrie Sane. I really, really like Shayna Baszler. But even given that, I was not expecting it to be as damn good as it was. The only issue with it I have is the ending. Okay. I literally, I looked away. Like, <laughs> right, I, I, this is what happened. I... Watched as Kyrie set up for the for the elbow, drops down, and gets the knees in the back. 
Yes. Right. And I, I looked away for a second. There was a cat at the at the back door. There is actually a cat at the back door right now as well, funnily enough. <laughs> um, and then I heard the bell go, and I went, "Oh fuck, Shayna won it then," because she the last literally five seconds yeah. before I saw her get the knees up, and I turned back. That move, I oh, I know what you mean because that move when she was gonna hit the elbow. Yeah. I was like, okay, either Shayna is gonna counter this and it's all over, or Kyrie hits it and it's all over. Yeah. If Shayna counters this. Shayna is retaining. Yeah. And Kyrie got countered hard. And I went, oh, fuck. And then, and then the submission gets All in. of a sudden. <laughs> yeah. And then the submission comes in. And then she just sort of rolls back and, and it's just a very quick little pin. And I'm like, it's a bit, it's, it just felt a little bit anticlimactic. I don't know. To me, it wasn't. Okay. Because that submission hold, the Kakuna Clutch, is it the, that is Shayna Baszler's finish. Is it the Kakuna Clutch? I thought there was the Kirafuda, Kirafuda Clutch. Kira, kira fu, kiri fuda, kiri fuda. Yep. Sorry. Yes. Pronunciations. No, not my strong. No, no, no. That's fine. Because it's the Kakina clutch. That's uh, that's Joe's. That's finisher. Samoa Joe's. Yeah. Yes. No, but that hold is the thing that no one has gotten out of. That is the hold she puts on when she's beating someone up after the match. That is the hold she puts on when she wants to injure someone. Yep. That is the hold she puts on when she wants to kill someone. And that is the hold that beat Kyrie last time, and no one has countered it. So the fact that it was so quick, the fact that she tries to put the hold on and is instantly pinned. Yeah. When you've got the whole picture, it was a perfect ending. Cool, okay. I see how in isolation it's like, wait, what? Yeah, it was so, so sudden. But to see, like, when Shayna was putting on the hold, I was like, okay, there it is, it's over. And then just watching Kyrie roll over it, and I was like, well, yeah, where the fuck just happened? <laughs> it was beautiful to watch. Yeah. Also, it was the most elite match on the show. It had a running time of exactly 13 minutes, 37 seconds. Fantastic. It was elite. It sure was. But as good as it was, it wasn't the best match Ooh. on the pay-per-view. Okay. Before we go on as well, otherwise I will probably forget, before before we just go into the main event. Yep. Can I just say, I fucking love Mauro Ronaldo. Yeah, isn't he good? I... I've got to just say, like, normally I don't care too much about the commentators because since since the heady days of, of JR and the King, yeah, like yeah. I've been like, ah, the commentary team, they're also there. Uh, I will say, Corey Graves I, I, is yeah. the best commentator since JR and future Hall of Famer. Well, okay. He is amazing. He is one of the best commentators ever to work pro wrestling. I would put him side by side with JR. Wow. See, I have so much time for Corey Graves as a commentator. But for me, it's it, it's the fact that Mauro Ronaldo uses the word bedeviled yep, in his description. He does. And uses what an ignominious response. Yes, he Holy does. Holy shit. Right, and this is... I am so happy Mauro is on NXT. Because yes. Because you know the history of him... And JBL. Um, and, and JBL. Yeah. And so... When they announced he was coming back to NXT, I was fucking delighted because it meant he got to be a lead commentator. He got away from JBL. He had a nice steady gig and he would be calling the best wrestling the company makes. Yeah. So as far as I'm concerned, it was a shitty situation with JBL. Yep. But it ended up well because we got Morrow doing the show I watch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we lost Corey doing the show I watch, which I will always regret because but whenever I have that up, much time for him. Whenever a pay per view turns up, you can go and see Corey because he literally yes, can. He's on the commentary desk for SmackDown and Raw. And Raw. Yep. <laughs> and 
see the company is seeing what I'm seeing. They're seeing he is that damn good. Yeah. That he has to call every damn thing they've got. Uh, but Morrow is amazing, and I'm so glad to have him on NXT. He's so animated. Have you seen that people have done, you know, like fan cam videos where you like you've got mm. like, the shaky video uh, phone footage of the ring. Yes, people just do that, but they just watch Moro Ronaldo because he just stands <laughs> up out of his chair so often. It's like shaking his arms as he's yelling yep. stuff. And, like he is man, passionate. Yes, exactly. It's it's again. It's like Jr. You know, it's all by God, it's God is my witness. He's broken in half. It's that kind of stuff. Like really getting invested in it that then makes the the audience get invested too. Yes. He's fucking amazing. He's so good at conveying that passion and infecting you with that passion. And yeah, I, I love Nigel McGuinness as well, but like it was really weird because in 205 Live, he's a really shit heel commentator. Yes. Like he, he was just calling the match. He was just like the play-by-play commentator. And then one week he was suddenly just going, oh yeah, he's, he's, I, I like this man now. And it's like, what, the heel? Because yeah, he's, he's very good. But that other guy is rubbish. Like, but that's, you're not a color commentator, Nigel. Stop it. He seems to get more into it on NXT. Yeah. But he's also and, not a heel commentator. Stuff. But that helps, yeah. <laughs> so it's just like, it's so jarring to see him <laughs> go from being competent play-by-play to not very good heel commentator to, yeah. like, competent play-by-play guy again. It's just like, <laughs> wait a minute, what, what year is it? And Percy so, Watson was there too. Main event. Yes. Before going into this, I want to know how much you were aware of Johnny Gargano and Tommaso Ciampa. I know that they have incredible names. Uh, that is true. And I am harvesting both of their last names for villains for my next D&D campaign. <laughs> because, Good lad. like, Champa and Gargano are such RPG villain names. Yep. Um, I, I like that Gargano has a finisher which is a play on his name. That is something I've been really getting into recently. Yeah. <laughs> like, the Gargano escape, brilliant. I love mm-hmm. the fucking The Stronghold by Roderick Strong. Yep. And I love um, Mustache, Mustache Mountain's uh, tag finisher. Did you did you catch the name of that one? Oh, God, what's the name of that one? The, Birmi- the Birminghammer. Yes, the Birminghammer. Yeah. I love <laughs> shitty pun finisher names. That is one of the best. Um, so, yeah, like I love that sort of thing. And I, I'm, so that's pretty much all. I, I, Johnny Gargano. Okay, so did you see them in the Cruiserweight Classic? No. Okay, because that's how far back their storyline goes. Uh, actually, having said that, like Gargano, I'm aware of Gargano, but only because he was at ringside during the May Young Classic because Candice LeRae. Candice LeRae. Yeah. Yeah. So this storyline that they're doing now goes back to the Cruiserweight Classic. Now, I'm trying to remember how long ago the Cruiserweight Classic was. The one that TJP won. Yes, so that's 2016. Wow. So this storyline dates back to the summer of 2016. Do you remember those days? Vaguely. Obama was in the was in the White House. Yep. <laughs> so anyway, uh, they were both competitors in the Cruiserweight Classic because they're both competitors. Yep. And it was established in the storyline of the Cruiserweight Classic that they traditionally in the Indies have worked together a lot as a tag team, that they are best friends, that Tommaso Ciampa was best man at Johnny Gargano's wedding. All of this is true, you know? Yep. And so it was a big storyline in the Cruiserweight Classic that they were best friends 
And because of the way the brackets had worked out, they would be fighting each other. So one of the best friends would have to knock the other out of the tournament. Yeah. And it was a hell of a match, a barnstormer, one of the highlights of the whole tournament. And it ended with them sat side by side on the mat, arms round each other, because they'd had such a brutal match and they were such good friends and it was this emotional moment. Yeah. So that's how they started their career in the WWE. Cue them coming into NXT, where they both build up a name for themselves, doing really good work, uh, great matches, and they come together to form DIY, their tag team. And they, they take on the tag team division. And, you know, you've got your best friends working together, so much chemistry, so much familiarity with each other's style. They're amazing. Some of the best pure tag team wrestling. And they were wrestling at the time of, like, the revival were there. Right. Um, you know, so they were working against other brilliant pure tag teams. And it was glorious to see. And that was a long run. Like, DIY were incredibly over. Uh, huge amounts of DIY merch turning up in the crowds, massive pops for them, everybody loved them, um, and it all ended when Tommaso Ciampa turned on Johnny Gargano, threw him into the LED light board so hard it cracked, and just beat him down for seemingly no reason. Yeah. And you get your classic... You know, friends turned enemies, tag team turned enemies, storyline. And there was also um, some injury. So Champa is out for a while. He's got the knee brace now, and you'll have noticed the presence of crutches in their storyline. Yes, turned up a few times. Yep. And this is because when Champa comes back, he's still injured. And he jumps Johnny from behind and beats the shit out of him with the crutch. Yeah. And that was the the return of one of Champa's indie gimmicks, the Psycho Killer, although not called the Psycho Killer in NXT <laughs> not, because they're not, not a PG fond show. of that name. No. He's now the Black Heart. Right. Because uh, Johnny Gargano is the Rebel Heart. The name of his intro music is Rebel Heart. And um, so the Black Heart is the spin on that. Isn't Black Heart, though? Wasn't that Owen Hart's um, heel? name i believe it was yeah. it may be a reference possibly i mean after a while i suppose there's only a limited number of nicknames out there and blackheart seems like a fairly obvious one uh but yes yeah. it was um at an nxt takeover where they faced the authors of pain which is the um they're the they're big guys Ellering. run by paul Ellering, yes yeah. Uh, in which they unsuccessfully tried to take the championship in a ladder match, which should have favoured them. And that's when Champa turned on Gargano and uh, beat the shit out of him. Mm. And it was revealed that he'd got a torn ACL. Uh, so we all thought that it was, you know, classic injury stuff. They're breaking up the tag team because he's injured, so they won't be able to work together. Uh, so they're going to give Johnny a solo run, and we'll see what happens when he comes back. Okay. Uh, and in January of this year, Champa came back to um, attack Gargano at the end of TakeOver Philadelphia. 
the main event of which was Gargano versus Almas. It was a championship match. Right. Because the whole storyline has been Johnny. Johnny's so good. He's, and a, like, he's a good lad. And he, he was Mr. NXT at the time. He was so over, so beloved by the fans. Basically, NXT was his brand. But he'd never had that championship. And it was his you know run at it. It was his time. And he failed. And then his best friend... Out of nowhere, in the the closing, you know, the the logo has come up. The show is about to go off air. Yeah, Champa comes out and beats him down with his crutch. Then Gargano has another championship match against Andrade Cien Almas. Right, and Champa gets involved, ruins it for Johnny again. So Champa is just at this point torturing Johnny Gargano, uh, and Selena Vega, the manager of Cien Almas, who is an amazing heel talker is basically talking shit to Johnny, saying, you can't beat Andrade Cien Almas. It doesn't matter if there's interference or not. You've had so many opportunities, and you keep losing. You are a loser. And Johnny's like, what does it take? What does it take to get one more shot? And they agree to a loser. uh, Not a loser leaves. If Johnny leaves, if Johnny loses, he leaves NXT. If Johnny wins, he's champion. Guess what happened? Johnny lost. Guess why? <laughs> did did uh, did Tommaso Ciampa get involved? Yeah, he did. Uh, he, he hit him with a crutch. I believe he did, or possibly the knee brace. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. So Johnny's gone, and like I said, he was so over. He was so beloved, and now he's gone, and it's Tommaso Ciampa's fault. So Tommaso Ciampa comes out on NXT and does the best promo ever. Not a word was spoken. Oh, where he just came and sat down in the ring. He just could not speak because the boos were so loud and so overwhelming. So he just stood there and soaked it up. And every time it would start to get quiet, he would raise the mic to his mouth as if he was going to start talking and the boos would get louder again. (laughs) And he milked this for several minutes before He he was just like, fuck it, and walked out again. He did a very, very similar thing in the promo video, which made me go, okay, no, I fucking love this guy as a heel. I yeah. know nothing about the idea. It's basically where you had uh, Gargano going on and on, being like, you know, I can beat you. I'm better than you. I know I am. Like, mm. that I, I know I am better than you. And then it just cuts to Champa, who says nothing. He just looks down at the belt over his shoulder. Yep. And smiles, and that's it. That's all he needs to do. It's like, I'm better than you. It's just him going, yeah. well, I'm the champion, but he doesn't even fucking say it. It's oh. This is the beauty of Tommaso Ciampa. He is my favorite heel, because he did it again. But <laughs> this time, he just sat up on the top turnbuckle and just kept doing the come on gesture to the crowd to get them to boo him more, just enjoying it. And then just walked away without saying a word. Yep. And then he did it again, and like the... This time, like the second time, he started off like he was really enjoying it and then looked more and more agitated as it kept going on until he stormed out. The third time he comes out and looks like it's really bothering him, that they won't even let him talk. And he's like, I would say pulling his hair out, but he doesn't have any. Yeah, pulling on his beard. Pulling on his beard until he just turns right at ringside and screams into a fan's face, he's gone! <laughs> Which just shuts them up. He's gone and he's not coming back and it's your fault. It's your fault. It's your fault. And he's just getting in the face of all these people at ringside. 
until he gets in the face of this hooded guy who pulls back the hood, reveals he is Johnny Gargano, jumps the railing and beats the shit out of him. Nice. Leading to the unsanctioned match, which was the first of the big Gargano versus Champa matches. Yeah. Uh, and this was at New Orleans, which was back in April. And it was an unsanctioned match because it was like, okay, clearly these two have got to get something out of their system. But Johnny got the stipulation put in that if he won, he was back in NXT. Yeah. And he won. Uh, that match was a 37-minute match. And it was every bit what you just saw. Was it, in fact, the one that they got a five-star award for? I can't remember if that was this or the next one. Uh, 7th of April? That was it. Yep. Yeah. That was the unsanctioned match. Yeah, five-star match from Wrestling Observer Newsletter. I know that doesn't necessarily mean shit occasionally, but, you know. Yep. Um, they then continued to feud without directly facing each other. They would just keep fucking up each other's matches and promos uh, until TakeOver Chicago 2, which was mm. in June, uh, where they fought again in a 35-minute match that was, again, every bit as brutal as what you just watched. Yep. And I think it was the street fight. I think it was the street fight where they're both so tired and exhausted. And you can see, because you've seen them go now. You know what good in-ring storytellers they are. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And Champa is down. And Johnny has the advantage. And he sees Champa just exhausted and broken. And he himself is exhausted and broken. Mm. Um, and he's, you know, going to sort of put on a chin lock with the knee brace, which has become a thing after the unsanctioned match. But instead, he just sort of collapses down next to Champa. And they recreate that moment from the Cruiserweight Classic where it was two best friends exhausted after an amazing fight, arms around each other. And now it's two men who hate each other, mm. but are just too tired to go. Just and it's that same great, moment. It's such a great visual. Um, and then Champa turns on him, was playing possum and takes the win. Was waiting for that moment of weakness. Yeah. Uh, then we had Tommaso Champa adopting the greatest entrance in wrestling history. No entrance. Okay, I'm really glad that was actually the thing, because I thought that was a technical fuck-up. Nope. Okay. Because at this point, at this point, he cannot enter the arena without them booing the roof off. Right. As you've probably noticed. Yeah. So he just dropped the music. (laughs) His entrance music is now the boos of the crowd. Right. That's it. That's all the music he needs to get him fired up. Fucking phenomenal. I love it. I know, right? <laughs> That's <laughs> and brilliant. some of his stuff on uh, social media has been amazing as well. Yeah? Because uh, Johnny Gargano's nickname is Johnny Wrestling. Yes. And so Tommaso Ciampa did this whole thing on Twitter for ages where he said, I want to be Tommy Sports Entertainment. <sighs> <laughs> <laughs> if he can be Johnny Wrestling, I, I'm Tommy Sports Entertainment. Uh, and, and just all of that just 
sinister, obsessive shit about Johnny he's been doing on his Twitter has been so good. Yeah. And he's like, I'm going to have the career Johnny never had. I'm going to get the championship. So he has the match against Alistair Black, which you saw the brief recap of, where Johnny, now seething with anger, comes out because he cannot allow Tommaso Ciampa to win. Yeah. So he's going to interfere and accidentally clocks Alistair in the head with the belt, allowing Tommaso Ciampa to win. And Johnny's like, oh no, oh, what hath hubris wrought? Everything this, I have fought to prevent has come to pass. Is this the match where they do the fucking disgusting chair spot? Where uh, like, they have the two, yes. the two folding chairs back to back with their backs up, and then and suplexing someone back yes. first. Like, what the fuck? I know. But um, so yeah, he he costs Alistair Black about, and then he comes out and does the ranty ranty promo about the only reason Tommaso Ciampa is champion is because of him, mm. whilst within striking distance of Alistair Black, <laughs> who kicks him in the head and leans down and says, "You're right. The only reason he's champion is because of you." Um, yeah, yeah. I wouldn't say anything within striking distance of Alistair Black. No, that would be foolish. Move out of striking distance. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, uh, that's kind of the storyline building up into this one. Mm. Uh, they're, they're still not over themselves, so they're going to keep fighting, fight forever. And they had another thirty-five minute knockout, drag out, brutal, you know, protective mats drawn off the floor, oh. off the ring, off the yeah, the, the ring just got shredded. Yeah, I mean that's that happened in the street fight as well. A table um, set up with another table. Set upside up on, down upside on it. Upside down with his fucking legs sticking yep. up in the air. Like ugh. My favourite spot in this one, because this one's a last man standing. So the rules are, the first man who can't get up after a ten count loses. Yeah. So the spot where Tommaso Ciampa drives Johnny through the barricade into the timekeeper's corner, yeah. and then throws the barricade on top of Johnny, and then throws the unconscious body of some poor victim who was at the side of the ring onto Johnny, and then throws a chair onto Johnny, and then part of a table, and just starts burying Johnny Gargano because it will keep him from getting up and answering a ten count. <laughs> that was amazing. Yeah, it's but, oh. their stuff is so brutal, but at the same time, the story they tell, like they they have three act matches. Yes. Oh my god, that's that that is the perfect way to put it. Like. You're watching the. It is this unfolding the hubris of man or the like, uh, vengeance gone too far kind of thing. It's, it's yep. all right. One of them is eventually going to win this, but they're going to look back and go. They both was lost. it worth it? Yeah, and uh, people were upset with the finish. Now, there's Triple H has tried to spin this story that the finish was changed on the fly because of an injury. Okay, um, I don't know if that's true. I think they're just trying to sell a work here. Yep. I, I, I have a prediction for where this is going. Right. And it's the kind of bold storytelling that you wouldn't get on the main roster, but I think Johnny and Tommaso could carry off. So the setup for the finish here, Johnny Gargano has Tommaso Ciampa literally handcuffed to a piece of the stage on the edge of the stage. He's kicking the bastard in the face. And he lines up for the world's biggest knee shot. Like, he pulls the knee pad down. He's doing the big posing on the stage. 
And he launches, misses, and wipes himself out Wait, really hard. Does he miss? Uh, pretty much. If you oh, okay. watch the slow-mo, he barely connects. Oh, okay. I thought he actually connected, but just kept going. It was a glancing was blow. Oh. It was very much a glancing blow. It sort of slides off the side of Tommaso's head. And, and he just wipes himself out completely. And cue the ten count. Both men are down. And just before the count of ten, Tommaso rolls his legs off the stage and hangs from that handcuff, gets his feet on the ground and is technically standing. That no good, dirty son of a bitch tomato chomper does it in a fucking... But here's the thing. This all started... I mean, I mean, it all started back in the Cruiserweight Classic, but yeah. this latest chapter of their storyline started after Tommaso was taken away with an ACL injury mm. and came back after injury on crutches, obsessed and deranged about ruining Johnny's career. Right. Now, what happened just before the knee strike? He was, like, apologizing, wasn't yeah. he? Yeah. Tommaso was looking up at him going, Johnny, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Johnny. Please. I'm sorry. And yeah, a lot of heels will cry off when they're absolutely losing. Yeah. But I reckon double turn. Oh. I genuinely think that Johnny has now gone injured because he dislocated his knee and he needs time away to recover. Right. And Tommaso will come out and he will say, you know, we've we've been to war. We've fought each other three shows in a row, we have nearly killed each other. And, you know, what What have we become? We were friends. We were the best of friends. God, what did I do? What have I done? I, and yeah, and turn it sob story. Mm. And he's going to plea for the crowd's forgiveness. And maybe he'll get it. Maybe he won't. But what we'll get it is when Johnny comes back on crutches. And attacks him. And beats the shit out of him. Back. And he's Tommaso Ciampa now. He's the deranged one. He's the crazy one who's taken it too far. He's the one who's turned on his friend and won't Ooh. listen to Tommaso's regrets. And that's where I think they're going with it. I think it's a double turn. Interesting. Like and it. if they can do it, if in the course of a year they can get Tommaso this hated and then turn and him face... It's sticking two fingers up at everyone trying to get Roman over. Yeah. Because <laughs> it's like, we, we could get Tommaso from this much heat to a pop inside of six months. Oh, How long have they, you had? If they can do it. <laughs> if they if can do they it. they can do it. Oh. And that's the beauty, right? If they can't, you just swerve it and put DIY back together as a heel tag team. Oh, there you go. <laughs> you, got a, you got a backup plan. It's fantastic. I got a backup plan, yeah. But I genuinely feel like they're building to a double turn. And Ooh. I can't wait to see that. Like, heel Johnny Gargano and face Tommaso Ciampa is going to be amazing. Oh, I would, yeah. I'm going to keep watching now. I think you should. Uh, like, week on week, I'm going to try and watch it, or at least watch the... Do they do a pay-per-view every month? I, say I don't think know, it's okay. every month. I think the takeovers happen before the bigger pay-per-views. Right. But not every single one. I don't think NXT do them with the same regularity. Yeah. Okay. But I'm, yeah, I'm definitely going to be keeping a closer eye on things. Um, just because I, I'm so blown away by the match quality. 
I've seen things done in that ring now that I haven't seen done anywhere else. I'm like, <laughs> and this is just sitting there, not really being all that promoted. Okay, so the next one isn't for a couple of months. The next okay. one is in November, and it is War Games. Oh, sweet. And then the next one after that is in January. Right. So I'm going to have to try and watch it week on week before before then to get into the War Games spirit. And the nice thing is, it's not like trying to keep up with the main roster. It's not three hours of overly yeah. long show it's it's a tightly packed hour show oh it's only an hour okay i think regular nxt i, I mean i never look at the clock but i think it's about an hour see I, i'd be interested in watching that because again i watched 205 live which is only well it's like 50 minutes or whatever it is mm. i always get annoyed with them saying it's the hardest hour on television I'm <laughs> when like, it's, it's not, not an hour, an and, hour it's not, and it's, and it's not, not on television, television. <laughs> um, but like, I'm really annoyed because it's like, okay, yeah, a week of cruiserweight, uh, sorry, an hour of cruiserweight. So I can, I can deal with that. And every show is Lucha House Party versus some combination of Jack Gallagher, Brian Kendrick, and Drew Gulak. Yeah. Then you will have uh, Buddy Murphy versus Akira Tozawa or Hideo Itami. And it's every single, and then you'll have TJ Perkins fight uh, a jobber from the local area. Yeah. Every single week for the last like six <laughs> weeks has been exactly the same card and I, I, I love 205 Live and I love the characters but like they need a bigger roster they do they, they do need a bigger roster uh, luckily NXT has depth in its roster yeah. I mean something my I noticed, god like, when they were doing the whole who I was going to say who shot House to Black but you know what I mean yeah uh, the number of people they're like Jesus Christ okay yeah this, you, could, you could run a promotion on this oh um, for sure yeah. Because um, you've seen the Undisputed Era, you've seen Mustache Bouncing, you've seen EC3, Ricochet, uh, you've seen Champa, you've seen yep. Gargano. Um, Tucker Knight, that's it. Knight and Dozovich, Heavy Machinery, you haven't seen mm. them. Uh, you've got that pleasure to come. Uh, I've got like the entirety of the women's division that aren't Kyrie or Oh, uh, God, Shana. and they're so good. I mean, yeah. my God, let's look at the women's division for a second. You've got Nikki Cross. Who is the Glaswegian? Um, yeah, her. She's from Sanity. She was part of Eric Young's stable. She is psychotic, and that is her gimmick. She's the one who will like chew the ropes while she's waiting for the match to start. Ah, uh, proper old school eighty style. Yep, and she's the one who decided she was going to have a match with Shayna Baszler. So looked at Dakota Kai and went, Dakota, you're the referee! <laughs> and, and just had an impromptu match for no reason. Um, Candice LeRae, who, like, she hangs with Johnny Gargano and Tommaso Ciampa. She's that good. Yeah. Uh, in fact, one of Johnny's best matches I've watched recently was him versus Candice LeRae. Yes, I remember you mentioning that to me. Yeah. Uh, Bianca Belair, who is a newcomer to the business, but she is in the scariest physical shape in the women's division I've seen in a really long time. She, she is... Her abs are made out of fucking concrete. They and are. No one can tell me otherwise. And I love her storyline. My God, like, they've done little vignette packages to get her over because she's new, no one really knows who she is. And you know how these things are often sob stories. Like, the, yeah. you know, I, I fought my way up from the... Hers is just, I've always been amazing. Like, I had a full <laughs> ride scholarship because I'm that damn good. I'm, I'm just the best. She's a hurdler, isn't she? She is. Yeah. Um, and she is the EST of NXT. The strongest, the baddest, the fiercest. Yeah. Uh, Dakota Kai, uh, captain of Team Kick. She's, I do love her. She's amazing, kicks people's heads off. Lacey and Evans. Oh my God, I love Lacey Evans. 
Oh, was she in the Mae Young Classic as well? Because that name rings She a bell. was. Uh, yeah. She is the former Marine military policewoman yes, who does the Southern kind of, Bell thing. She's the Liberty Bell character. The Liberty Bell character. Yeah. Now, I fucking love her because she's really played up the all-American lady thing. Yeah. Like, her finisher is a right-hand punch called the woman's right. <laughs> but she's really played up the heel. Yeah. Now, this is in America. Where her whole deal is she's an all-American Southern Belle lady veteran. Made entirely out of apple pie and American flag. And she's the heel. Wow. Like, just that one subversion of that trope makes it, you know? And you look you look and just go, there, but for the grace of God could have gone John fucking Cena. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Um, then you've got um, Aaliyah, Tainara Conti, Vanessa Bourne. They're not quite at the same tier, but they're... They're strong enough that they are in development and they are making these other women look good. And as they say, it's not a developmental territory, but it kind it of is. is. It like, is. The best thing about that, though, is that anyone who's, you know, like you said, not quite on the same level as others, you know that they're probably going to get there. Like If, you, if they've got That's their, the their foot in the door, they're going to get there eventually. Yep. These are the women who are in development. They are the women who are being built up mm. and they're going to get there. And then you've got another May Young classic bringing in a whole new crop of women yeah. who are going to be amazing. Um, over in NXT UK, you've still got like Killer Kelly, Tony Storm, Isla Dawn. I mean, my God. Uh, and uh, there's a sort of relationship between NXT and the UK division. So you'll see them on NXT shows sometimes. Yeah. Uh, you've got Oni Lorkin and Danny Birch, um, who are also brilliant. Uh, mm. You've got Kona Reeves who is like the Islander version of EC3. He is the finest. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. I remember you mentioning it, yeah. You've got Lars Sullivan, who is just a giant, horrible monster. <laughs> uh, you've got the Street Profits, who I've, I've shown you them as well. Mm. Amazing tag team. Uh, you've got mm, Thorne and Miller. They're, they're a tag team. They're good. They're getting over more as heels now than they did as faces. I'll give them that. <laughs> uh, but it's just a really strong roster in depth. Uh, you yeah. never see it; doesn't have that two hundred five live problem. You know, you'll get a nice mix of matches. You'll get a nice yeah. mix of storylines, and because it is developmental, by the time anything can start to threaten to feel stale, well, they go up to the main roster because they're ready. Yeah, if they if they are so good that they are on every show. And that's about the only time you're ever going to get tired of them. And to be honest, if it's Gargano and Champa, you're not going to get tired of them even then. <laughs> but if they're that good, they get called up. And then you've got, oh, who's this new person they've just brought in? Because they've just brought in like Keith Lee and Matt Riddle. You know, we haven't even seen them get started in NXT yet, but they've got great reputations in the indies. So I'm looking forward to it. Riddle's hair bothers me. <laughs> the fact that he was wearing flip-flops with that suit bothers me. Oh, fucking flat cap <laughs> and flip-flops and that yep. fucking hair. Well, I hope he's a heel because I'm going to love hating him. <laughs> you know? I'm sure he's lovely, but I just looked at him Oh, you fucking dickhead. Like, I d I, there's no reason for me to think that. Like, it's, it's terrible for me to try and judge someone based entirely on their appearance. But I couldn't help. My initial gut reaction to seeing him was like, oh, you prick. <laughs> Look at yeah. him there, smiling and enjoying himself. What a piece of shit. I know, right? Yeah. He, <laughs> but that's what I'm saying. I hope he's a heel, because some people do have that instant love-to-hate-them thing, like mm. Adam Cole. 
Yes. And if you if you use that, well, that works out for you. But I also loved to love Adam Cole. I know. I know. Adam Boom. Cole is just too charismatic. Holy shit. <laughs> also, I suppose I realized I, I didn't mention it uh, earlier, but I, I said I was going to talk about it when it came up and then completely forgot about it. Shayna's leg submissions on Kyrie Sane, mm. where she was getting her in the, in the, it was like bending her knee back on itself and at right angles. Yep. And I'm like, I don't think Kyrie Sane is double jointed in the knees. No, but actually, if you look at the way she's rolling her body, right, actually not a particularly difficult submission hold. But it looks fucking yes. appalling. Um, Shayna Baszler is really, really good at doing stuff that looks a lot worse than it is. Yeah, and with her face and with her sort of body language, you can she can really sell the kind of ferocity of what she's doing. Yes. Like um, one of the things Zoe has said repeatedly about Shayna is she loves that there's a diversity of physical looks going on in the yes. women's division. Oh, yeah. And that Shayna is in no way trying to be a pretty girl. She is yeah. a fierce fighter and she looks like it, and that is her deal. In her promo video, she had like uh, she had some sort of slightly more obvious makeup on. She had like eyeliner and everything, and yep. she somehow looked scarier <laughs> and like more like a killer robot. It was yep. incredible. Um, and she does like great stuff where she'll put people's hands flat on the canvas so their elbow is up at a right angle with her foot mm. on their fingers so they can't move it, and then yep. lift her foot and very quickly bring it down on the elbow, and it looks like it should just snap your elbow every single time. But it's a lot safer than... Because, yeah, actually what you're doing is just rolling the arm back down the way it wants to go. Yeah. Um, and she did a very similar thing to Kyrie with the foot, where she had her foot placed on the canvas with the toes bent. Yeah. And then stamped on the, quote, back of the ankle. Whereas, actually, if you watch it in slow-mo, what she does is just roll the foot sideways the way it should go. But it looks like she's uh... just crushed Kyrie Sane's toes. Yeah. She's incredible at those moves that look like they should break a person. But are actually pretty safe. So, but because it's all happening with such speed, it she just looks like a fucking monster. It's brilliant. Yep, and and that's her fighting style. Like, there's no finesse. There's no charisma. She's there to win, so she will hurt you in the most efficient way possible. And yeah. then if she gets the upper hand, well, she might take a time about it because she's enjoying it. But there's still no finesse. It's just about hurting you. It's very akin to I'm thinking going back to like the '90s here, like a Doctor Death, Steve Williams, or maybe not necessarily like a Ken Shamrock type, but definitely that kind of terrifying. Methodical... I don't know, kind of like a Ken Shamrock type. In the I'm not here to wrestle; I'm here to win. Yeah, I, I can't imagine Shayna Baszler like losing a match though, and then just sh- screaming and shrieking and killing twenty referees. I can. Like, I feel like she's she's she <laughs> a bit more of a like a quiet seething anger rather than screaming and covering True, blood. yeah. I can still see her killing 20 referees, but she oh, would oh, no, do it yeah. Yeah, whilst Quietly. just looking furious. I was going to say it would make her a bit more like, and I don't want to draw comparisons to this particular person, but as in a wrestling style, more akin to like Chris Benoit mm, in that regard. Yeah, yeah. Um, she is just a savage beatdown artist. Yeah. Or uh, I don't know if you remember... Um, Oh god, this is going back. We're back to late late WCW D Malenko's Iceman gimmick. Oh yeah, yeah, just like completely no compassion, mm. no no mercy. Yes, to him. no compassion. That's a really good way of describing Shayna Baszler. Mm. There is no compassion. She is enjoying watching you suffer, 
And do you think that now that she's lost the title to Kyrie, she'll be going up to the main roster at some point? Um, I don't know. I think she could stick around. Yeah, okay. It's it's a case of I think whether they have got the depth. I think with the May Young Classic coming up, she might stick around yeah. until that, then go. Right. Because I think they need a little bit of depth in the women's division right now. But I think they are prepping her for the roster for sure. Because with uh, Rousey taking the women's title for Raw, mm. it could potentially segue into a like a feud there because they they know each other. They've presumably worked together before. It's more likely that I think they would be sort of. I, this is why I'm thinking they might not want to take her up yet. It's more likely mm. that they'll be allies rather than uh, opponents. Uh, because I mean, and and yeah. this is why I think she might stick around in NXT for a little while. I think this is one of the reasons Triple H is billing it as a brand, not a developmental, because Shayna's gimmick is the same as Ronda's gimmick. Yeah. Except she does it better. She does it with any level of competency. Exactly. And she yeah. does it with quite a loss of competency. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. And actually, looking at the way they fight in a wrestling ring, Shayna looks more dominant than Ronda. Ah, uh, they wouldn't want to overshadow the, mm-hmm. the multi-million dollar signing. Exactly. Right. So they've got Ronda Rousey, who is their big name. But can you imagine those two in a match against each other, doing a wrestling match? I'm... I'm suddenly reminded of Sable. Hmm. Like, <laughs> you know, she was the big money signing. Yep. She, you know, she's the one they were backing, but like, she's fucking awful. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I see where you're going with that. Yeah. Not exactly then, a UFC legend, but I see where you're going with that. Yeah. No, no, no. I'm not saying she was, but like, like I genuinely know. feel like if Shayna went up to the main roster now, she would overshadow Ronda. And so I think they've got to get Ronda worked up a little. Or, they would have to write her as. They would have to do something with the writing to make her lesser to to Ronda. And that's the thing. They could also bury her, uh, yeah. which they do to a lot of sign uh, call ups, which is unfortunate. Yeah. Uh, so I kind of think she's happy where she is right now. And also, I I think it'd be great to see her continue because if I'm going to keep watching it, I'm not watching the fucking Raws and Smackdowns yeah. week by week because I only have so many hours. I know. In I know. Um, I think it'd be really great to keep seeing her in there. I also think she's going to stick around for the same reason Bailey stuck around a lot longer than the rest of the four horsewomen. To look after the new recruits. To be a locker room general. You know, she's mm. very experienced. She's very close to um, Mercedes Martinez, who is one of the who- performance center trainers now. Yeah. So she's this excellent liaison between the trainers and the locker room. She's the one who can help them put into practice everything they're learning. She's, you know, she's got a bit of ring veteran status mm. more so than most of the other roster like uh Kairi Sane has the same experience but it's of a different industry it's of Japan yes and that's a very different culture it, it, like compared for uh, the, the TV show with all that level of psychology going on whereas a, a Japanese crowd it's very much based around the story of the match rather than the individual wrestlers themselves yes and also um, just locker room culture extremely different with the whole senpai oh, God, yes. junior relationship yes um, so you've got Candice LeRae is the other veteran they've got in there yeah but that's she's she's been working for a, for quite a while now hasn't she oh yeah Candice is, is a Long-time wrestler. She's like started yeah. in the early 2000s. Uh, she's been going for at least 15 years at this point. Wow. Possibly even longer. Um, so she knows her business. 
but a lot of them are um, certainly in American wrestling new to it. Like uh, I think I think Dakota Kai's got like a decade under her belt, but mostly in New Zealand. Uh, Wait, how the fuck has Dakota Kai got a, got a decade under her belt? She's like twelve. <laughs> <laughs> you say that she's actually um, same year as you. Really? Yeah, she's an eighty-eight wow. baby. Awesome. Uh, I like Dakota Kai. <laughs> Dakota Kai's great. I, I love her too. Um, but Lacey is pretty new to the biz. Um, they still got um, Kavita to be. I think somewhere. I, I somewhere. I, she's not like NXT roster. Yeah, she was the one I was really worried about when they were like, "Ah, trained by the great Carly," and I'm like, "Oh no, no," because <laughs> uh, the 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 roster is unofficially broken up into NXT and Performance Center. So there's a bunch of people who are, you know, NXT roster people. They are the ones you will see on the show. Yeah. But they are also at the Performance Center training up. And then there's people who are Performance Center people, and they are the people who are still training and aren't really ready for the weekly show yet. And Kavita Devi is listed as one of them. Okay. Um, along that's, that's with kind of... uh, Rhea Ripley and Tegan Knox and Jali, the Chinese uh, woman who uh, was there yeah, as was well. A, literally her first ever pro wrestling yes, match exactly. at the Mae Young Classic. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a bunch of guys who are um, like performance center recruits at the moment as well. So you've got the, the, the path in is you start in the performance center and that's where you're getting good enough to be in NXT Weekly. And then when you're over enough in NXT Weekly, then you go main roster. Mm. Although uh, Triple H has, has said he would be totally open to the idea of people getting transferred from the main roster to NXT, he thinks NXT is that strong now. I I would agree. Like I, uh, having just seen, I mean, admittedly, uh, Takeover Brooklyn is like, from what I've gathered, is like the big one. Is that would that be fair? I to think say? that's fair to say. It's the one they've done yeah. four times. Like, yeah. all the takeovers are takeover events, no yeah. question. Like they're all strong. But Brooklyn now has a reputation in a way okay. that um, the others haven't necessarily got yet. It's one they've gone back to four times. And the yeah. first time that they did Brooklyn was um, Finn Balor versus Kevin Owens for the NXT Championship in a ladder match. Okay. The second time they did Brooklyn was Samoa Joe versus Shinsuke Nakamura for the championship. Jesus Christ. The third time they did Brooklyn was Bobby Roode versus Drew McIntyre for the championship. And this one was Champer and Gargano in a last man standing match for the championship. So I've started at a really high point. Yes, you have. But the okay. difference between the high point and the low point is not broad. Okay. <laughs> like, even their weaker events are amazing. Because if you look at all of the TakeOver main events in history... Yeah. You start with Bo Dallas versus Neville. Not that that's bad. A weird, that's a weird matchup, though. It, it is, but it was good. Okay. Then you got Neville versus Tyson Kidd. I didn't really like Kidd all that much when he was in the main roster. Yeah, but, but Neville. again, that. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Neville versus Sami Zayn, Tyler Breeze, and Tyson Kidd in a fatal four way. Cool. Neville versus Sami Zayn in title versus career. Huh. Uh, Sammy versus Kevin Owens. 
Kevin Owens versus Sammy. Uh, Finn versus Kevin. Main event of TakeOver Respect. Bailey versus Sasha Banks, 30-minute Iron Woman match. Ooh, that, ooh, that was a yeah. fucking good match. Mm. Uh, TakeOver London, Finn Balor, Samoa Joe. TakeOver Dallas, Finn Balor, Samoa Joe. TakeOver The End, Finn Balor versus Samoa Joe in a cage. TakeOver Brooklyn 2, Joe versus Shinsuke. TakeOver Toronto, Joe versus Shinsuke. TakeOver San Antonio, Shinsuke versus Bobby Roode. TakeOver Orlando, Bobby Roode versus Shinsuke. TakeOver Chicago, Authors of Pain versus DIY in a ladder match. We may have mentioned that one earlier. Yeah. <laughs> Brooklyn 2, Bobby Roode, Drew McIntyre. TakeOver War Games, Sanity versus the Authors of Pain and the Undisputed Era in a War Games match. Ooh. TakeOver Philadelphia, Andrade Olmos versus Johnny Gargano. We may have mentioned that one as well. <laughs> TakeOver New Orleans, Gargano versus Champa. Chicago 2, Gargano versus Champa. TakeOver Brooklyn 4, Gargano versus Champa. They're all pretty good main events. Yeah. <laughs> I'd, I'd be happy watching any of those. Jesus. Yep. Okay. The TakeOver Respect was a weird one, because the 30-minute Ironman Women's Championship match was amazing. Yeah. Uh, you also had Oscar versus Dana Brooke, which was, shall we say, one-sided. See, I have no good God earthly reason for doing so, but I really like Dana Brooke. <laughs> and I think the entire reason is the Rumble this year. Mm. Like, she wasn't any good in the actual match, but she came out with that fucking physique and just did a front flip and like, like did the whole sort of like frontwards cartwheel thing. And I'm like, she is the best. Give her the belt. She is clearly the best thing in the entire world. <laughs> and I have no earthly backing for this because like, obviously she can't back it up, but I still fucking love her just because of that like three second shot. But respect had three dusty roads tag classic matches in it. Ooh. Finn Balor and Samoa Joe versus The Revival before they were called The Revival. Okay. That was a good match. Yep. Baron Corbin and Rhino, which was a weird partnership. That is a weird partnership. Versus American Alpha, Ooh. who they beat to go on and face Finn Balor and Samoa Joe in the final for the Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic. Cool. Which uh, Balor and Joe won. Finn Balor and Samoa Joe won a tag team tournament. I mean, stands to reason Joe's really good at winning these uh, random matchup tag tournaments because they did one in TNA where he got uh, uh, matched up with, um, oh, what's his name? Magnus something or other, the the gladiator. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Who became the first UK heavyweight champion. He did. He he became the championship. Yeah, so then people fought for possession of him. I'm (laughs) turning to Scott fucking Steiner now. Yeah. so yeah, that was that was cool. Oh, I will say one highlight of SummerSlam actually. Okay, I may not have gotten to it yet. Um, was weirdly the Balor versus Corbin match. No, we haven't gotten to that bit yet. Uh, the the reason I liked it. Yeah, Corbin wasn't facing Finn Balor. Oh, Corbin was facing the Demon. Uh, oh. oh, which is something Finn Balor has not busted out in a while. 
Yeah, but wasn't the last time when he was against uh, Bray? I think it may have been. When it was the whole, is it Bray or is it Sister Abigail shit? Yeah, but that's Bray's thing. Finn Balor as the demon is amazing. When he's not a pumpkin. And they put it the fuck over because uh, Corbin comes out first. Yeah. Finn's music hits or the demon's music hits. And out comes Finn in the headdress and the paint and Corbin rolls out of the ring, grabs the referee and is like, no, 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 this was not the deal. And like mm-hmm. does not want to face the demon. And I, was, I credit to Baron Corbin for actually putting over being terrified of the idea of having He showed to face emotion? That. Yeah, he did. Oh my God, he's like reverse Samson. All the power was in his boldness. <laughs> yes. Or, or maybe it's just that once you dress him like you know, a shift manager at an airport olive garden, uh, he becomes an actor. Stretched out Jack Gallagher. <laughs> like, oh, like, why, why didn't he, like, have a hair versus hair match? I know, right? Did he, he just turned up one day and didn't have hair. Yeah. Like, why would you just shave your head if you're in the wrestling business? If you want to shave your head, you're a wrestler. You go tell a writer, you go, I'm thinking about shaving my hair. Yeah, I, I want to shave my head. Give me a hair versus hair match. And somehow, just by saying those words, Jim Cornette would <laughs> materialize out of the woodwork. Oh, yeah, see, uh, but again, that's just a weird thing. You're just going, oh, okay, that's what's going on in the main roster. Yep. But yeah. Is it worth me watching the main event? Um. Yeah. No. Will I see anything different that I haven't seen in in uh, Lesnar Reigns before? Well, yeah. I mean, you'll see Roman win. Oh, sweet. Which okay. is new. That um, is new, okay. But other than that, the match will be identical. Oh. You know, I mean, it's, it's everything you've seen before. It's Roman Reigns swallowing way too many finishes because apparently that's how wrestling works now is it's not about telling a story, it's about proving you're tough by getting 17 finishes and still standing up. Wait, isn't that how WCW used to work? It is, yeah. I say work. Isn't that how WCW died? (laughs) (laughs) So, I mean, we all knew Brock was going to lose because he hadn't re-upped his contract. Right. Like, there's no surprise, which is why I don't mind spoiling it, because, well, Brock's leaving. Yeah, he's gone now. Hey, he's got a title match just before he leaves. What a fucking surprise. (laughs) Uh, So what would have been interesting is if he'd gone into business for himself because it's Brock fucking Lesnar and he very well could have done. Yes. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, uh, that's the only difference between that and every other main event recently. So it's booked exactly the same. Roman takes exactly the same amount of punishment, but he wins this time. Yes. So, I mean, he won the cage match. They just, still, they just said he didn't. I still think that was a fucking botch. It was. Clearly it was a botch, because Roman okay. won. <laughs> he was not meant to win, and then he did, and then the referee said he didn't. Like, if if it wasn't a botch, it was the fucking screw job of this era. Yeah. Because his feet clearly touched the ground first. Hmm. <laughs> I'll I'll give it a go at some point. I think the only match I was looking forward to was uh, 
Samoa Joe AJ Styles. Mm. Because it, it's Samoa Joe AJ Styles. Like That's a good match. I, yeah. I will grant them that. They had the match you would expect to see from Samoa Joe and AJ Styles. They, they squandered AJ Shinsuke. They, oh, um, God, they did. That was awful. It just descended into just... I mean, it wasn't cheeky. awful, but considering what those two can do... Yeah, it to have was them awful. just have ball kick matches was very weird. Yeah. Um, but I fucking love Samoa Joe, and I don't love AJ Styles, but I will admit that he... In much the same way as, like, I don't love Ronda Rousey. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. But I could at least admit that he does He does a good job. He does a good wrestle. I mean, I don't mind him so much, and I think he is one of the best wrestlers working. Yep. Uh, Miz versus Daniel Bryan I thought was very good. Haven't seen that one yet. But I rate both of those men extremely highly. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Miz is one of the best heels in the business, and I think Daniel Bryan is one of the best faces in the business. And this one, again, like, it's the story of SummerSlam that has the longest build-up. Right. Because this goes, you know, way back to Miz having the semi-work, semi-shoot shouting match with Daniel Bryan on Talking Smack when Daniel Bryan walked off set. Yeah. Uh, which is a great, like, if they hadn't turned that into a match, it would have been so wasted. <laughs> uh, so that was really good. Um Strowman versus Kevin Owens worked out better than I was expecting. I, I watched that match, but I'm like, why even have this match? It was less match than two minutes long. If it's going to just last <laughs> 20 seconds. <laughs> I enjoy I enjoyed it because like they were setting it up with Stephanie working with Kevin to make the stipulation so unfavorable and yeah. and building up all the hype about if Braun loses in any way, even if it's by disqualification. And, and then like, oh, nudge, nudge, wink, wink, anything could happen. But yep. if Braun loses in any way, if he gets himself disqualified, oh, then he still loses the thing. So, you know, and we all know yep. what that means. And, and they were just clean. building that step stipulation up so much, and then he just literally eats Kevin Owen live in front of a studio <laughs> audience and just wins clean. It was amazing. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, yeah, Joe versus Styles, good. Miz versus Brian, good. Uh, Bala versus Corbin, surprisingly good. Again, very, very short. Yeah. But I loved it for the performance for him being salty about the demon. Um, Shinsuke versus Hardy wasn't the worst match on the card. But wasn't I, the best either. I can't fucking stand Jeff Hardy, so, you know. Yeah, yeah. I, I get that. Like, yeah. I mean, I, I'm mixed on the guy. Like, I have a lot of sympathy for the dude. Oh, no, no. It's not not his personal things. It's literally, like, I'm, I'm still... Even even today, with all the the global force gold bullshit and everything, I'm still kind of a TNA mark. Yeah, um, and that man did so much to ruin yes TNA when he was there. Yep. and not just like the 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 the, the what's it called the title match against Sting where he was you know completely smacked out of his gourd, but like uh, right, I don't know if you've seen this one, but Ultimate X match, right? Mm. What is how would you describe an Ultimate X match? Okay, so Ultimate X match is the match where you have the X wires going across the ring in yep. bisecting diagonals with the belt hanging from the middle, like a ladder match, 
except you have to do some high wire work to get to the title. It's a. I believe the description we you, you came up with when we when you were first introducing me to TNA back in the day was it's a ladder match, but there's no ladder. without the ladders. Yeah, yeah. So it's right? typically a really good showcase for athletic guys, for lighter weight guys, the cruiserweights showing off some some of the shit they can do. It's it's a good athleticism showcase. Yeah. So. I remember there was a there was one back in the days when Team 3D first turned up. Yep, where they basically blindsided the Speaking ref. Speaking of cruiserweights out. and athletes, yeah, because it, <laughs> it wasn't like the Ultimate X match brought in as a way to get the belt off of Joe without having him lose a yes, uh, lose yes. A match. So he was he uh, took no pinfall and no submission, and you could believe that a smaller guy had an advantage in that style of match. Yeah, and Team 3D were in this match, and they ended up blindsiding the ref. And getting a ladder and climbing the ladder and taking the belt down. And that was in like I like that because that's 3D. That's the kind yeah, of shit exactly. they do. Right? Jeff Hardy won an Ultimate X match uh, when he was, uh, it was, I think it was in between his Willow uh, stints in, in TNA mm. by going and getting a ladder, setting it up, climbing the ladder, getting the belt, and climbing down again. Well, there's technically no rule against that. I mean, Technically, but if there wasn't a rule against that, then why did Team 3D hit that ref? Are they just dickheads? Yes. I mean, yes. I mean, yes. Are, but, that's their whole thing. But, like, it's just all these years of Ultimate, Ultimate X matches, and it just makes... It's almost like Jeff Hardy's just like, wow, these guys are really stupid. They don't even know there's a ladder you can climb to go and get that thing. They keep climbing them pylons. <laughs> I get your point. Yeah, I get your just, point. Oh, fuck's sake, Jeff. If you can't do the job, don't go in the fucking match. <laughs> I've got no problem with older wrestlers not being able to do the shit they used to do in their, like, 20s. That's fine. That happens. But stop trying to do the don't sort of shit you did ultimate... in your 20s. If you've got no knees, don't go into an Ultimate X match. Yeah. Yeah, I get your point. I, I still... They're a nostalgia pop for me. No, absolutely. I love absolutely. the Hardys. I, yeah. I love Team Extreme, and I always will. And... Yeah. He hasn't done enough to piss me off to lose that shine because yeah. I wasn't watching TNA at that point. It also doesn't help that I am literally the only person in the world that does not like Matt Hardy's <laughs> shtick. Well, I mean, that shtick's kind of hate. over now. It, I mean, well, Matt Hardy's kind of over yeah. now in a wrestling sense, but I fucking hated Woken Matt Hardy or Broken I Matt Hardy. I love or... Woken and Broken Matt Hardy. Everyone loves Broken and Woken Matt Hardy it's, except me. It's It's a parody of what wrestling is i just don't get it oh I, I don't know what it is i'm looking at everyone's laugh it's like it's like fucking harry hill when everyone's laughing at his jokes yeah, except that's oh. not good but everyone back in the day were fucking laughing and, and they were going oh you just don't get it and i'm like get what get what and it's the same thing with matt hardy and the fucking office where everyone was laughing at it and i was like i don't get it and they're like oh you, you know it, you, if you don't get it it won't be funny i'm like yes that's the problem <laughs> yeah it's like those things except matt hardy was good Oh. Um, but yeah, I mean, the rumors are he's shadowing the creative team, so he might be moving into the creative side, which Jesus. I think would be a really good thing. Yeah, uh, because whether or not you like Woken slash Broken Matt Hardy, he was also the guy who stage managed pretty much all of the classic Hardy Brothers matches. Yeah, um, and he's the guy who's come up with most of their storylines. He's always been the creative powerhouse for the Hardys. And he's been in the industry a very, very, very long time. Yes, he has. So given, shall we say, the standard of the creative product in the WWE right now? Yeah. I don't think it would do any harm to get him there. 
I'd be okay with that. Yeah, it's it's definitely not a step down for the company <laughs> to do that. But I will never ever understand <laughs> that fucking gimmick, which is a shame because it's it's so good. Oh, this is the hill I will die on. <laughs> that he posted a video on his own YouTube, which I I was already enjoying the gimmick, but this is the thing that made me truly fall in love with it. Right. There was a spot on a TNA uh, vignette, I presume, where Matt was sitting at the piano, playing the piano, and Jeff comes in and he goes, Brother Nero, I Nero. knew you would come. Yeah. And he put a video on his own YouTube, and it was just that over and over and over again, <laughs> except he dubbed different piano tunes <laughs> over the bit where he's playing the piano. Completely inappropriate ones. <laughs> Just put a fucking wrestling memes or botchamania yes. style video on, on his, his official... own YouTube. On his official Jeez. YouTube. Fucking sick. And that's why Broken Matt Hardy was so good, because it was shit like that constantly. <laughs> <laughs> I just remember watching one of their like stupid goddamn matches in TNA. I forget who they were fighting, but like they they <sighs> They're having a backstage brawl, and Matt Hardy, like Jeff Hardy's getting beaten up by these two guys. So Matt Hardy runs over to a forklift, which is back there, which has a guy driving it round, yep. and jumps up onto the side of the thing and goes, You there, forklift driver, run over those men. And the guy looks and goes, No. <laughs> <laughs> so Matt just starts biting him on the arm until he dives out of the forklift, and then Matt steals it. See, how could you not love that? Jeff, Jeff then gets beaten up and put in a dumpster. For like four or five minutes or so of the of this this beatdown backstage until eventually one of the other like the, the heels gets backed up into the dumpster. The lid flies up and Jeff leaps out yelling, Jeff in the box! And grabs the guy. <laughs> and and Matt like revives him by picking up a bottle of water and saying, Jeff, uh, brother was it, Brother Nero, quick, have the waters of rejuvenation, and just like throws a bottle of water over him. And then Jeff is just suddenly like he does has a moment of like all this water all over him and doing like a fucking L'Oreal advert. And then he's bone dry, smoking a cigarette and grinning. And suddenly he's all rejuvenated and ready to fight. I'm like, what the fuck am I watching? See, it sounds like there's some TNA I need to go back and watch. Because this sounds like my kind of stuff. <laughs> Apparently it's everyone's kind of stuff. And I don't get it. Ah. <laughs> uh. But yeah, um, Reby made some comments recently, Matt's wife, um, oh, yes, talking yeah. about how his contract is up in March, yeah, and he's in a sort of transitional period right now. Mm. Like, he's at SummerSlam, he's not on the card, but he's there, and we're kind of going to see from here, was right. the exact quote. Um, and saying there's sort of a decision to be made at this point as to whether or not he should continue. Right. So, yeah, it sounds very much like there's stuff going on there. And I noticed that he is no longer Woken Matt Hardy on Twitter. He is just Matthew Hardy. And he started posting a lot of Twitter stuff that was sort of, um, you know, embrace what you've got while you've got it. Uh, thank you to everyone. All of this sort of yeah. stuff. So I, I think he's done. Yeah, I hope he's. I hope he's all right. This is this is the thing. Like, I don't want people listening to this to go, "Oh man, Kyrie fucking hates the Hardy Boys." Like, no, 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 no. Just like, I hope they're all right. Yeah. Um. Honestly, I think at this point, Matt should be done. 
from the sounds of this injury. It's it's not something I think anyone should be doing pro wrestling whilst suffering from. Yeah. And to be honest, as much as I have the huge pop for the Hardys as the Hardys, Jeff should stop. Not not because I have the same feelings towards the guy as you do. I still like him. I still enjoy his in-ring work. Yeah. But he should stop. Yeah. Because of the two of them, Matt was not taking the dangerous bumps. Well, no, this is Jeff now. No, but he's got to be more banged up than Matt. He's yeah, got plus to be. His, plus his dirt biking. Mm-hmm. So, so you know. yeah, as, as much as I, I in, have enjoyed seeing them back for a bit, I kind of wish they would both stop and go away. Not because I dislike them, but quite the opposite. Because you like them <laughs> because and you want I them like to be them okay. And I want them it's, to it's, live. It's, it's like when I found out recently that um, Terry Funk has come out of retirement again. Yeah, oh, God, no. Yeah, Terry, he's no. He's 74, and he has now given up his, and not a word of a lie, his 22nd retirement has, has now ended. Yeah, that's Terry. Uh, it's What is it about this business that makes people do shit like that? I, I saw a fucking interview with him, right, where they basically went, like, are you sure about this? And he was like, I think anyone who reaches the age of 74 and wants to get into a wrestling match is a damn idiot. <laughs> Yay, we got Kyrie's Terry Funk impression on the show. <laughs> that is something I have been enjoying for years, dear listeners. <laughs> <laughs> I fucking love Terry Funk, but... But he needs uh, to stop. Like, this is the thing, it's just like, it's impossible to do that voice, just do the Terry Funk impression, and you just, you can't make it sad enough. Like, I just try and make it sound like a really, 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 really sad old Texan. Which is what Terry Which Funk is. What is. is. <laughs> but I can't make it sad enough. No, no, unless you are Terry, you cannot reach the requisite heights of sadness. That's it. So, yeah, um, it, it's he had apparently an abdominal hernia recently fixed. Mm. Um, and now he's getting back into the ring. And uh, they asked him, are you sure about your health? Uh, do you feel confident about your health? His response... Do I feel confident about my health? I don't think that anybody should ever feel confident about their health if they're 70-odd years old and getting ready to get in the ring. <laughs> if they are, they're probably some kind of an idiot. And that's more likely what I am. <laughs> that that oh, sounds Terry. like Terry, that does. Terry, no! But please stop. Oh, dear. Right. Uh, I have... Speaking of, like, the what I said about Ricochet and taking the bumps, I have the same feeling with Gargano and Champa right now. Let um, them have a break. Like, yeah, because they, I mean, they work surprisingly safe. They just make it look nasty, but yeah. some of the bumps they take scare me. And it's just like, it's it's like the, um, oh, I can't remember if it's an Iron Man match or a Last Man Standing match that uh, Rude and Storm had in TNA a, a few years back. Um where at the end of it, it was like, holy shit, that was the best match that this company has put on in the last five to ten years. Now, please, never do that again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's kind of how I felt about the first Champa Gargano match. Yeah. Then they did it again on the next show. <laughs> then they did it again on the next show. <laughs> <laughs> and it has gotten a little bit more brutal each time. But only a little. But they can always find more brutality. Please don't find, Please more, don't brutality, find more brutality. <laughs> but just don't go back to that well. I, I am looking forward to see where they go from here. To see if I'm right about the double turn. Uh, or if mm. they're going to swerve me and do something different. 
whatever they do, I'm sure I'm going to enjoy it because I've been enjoying Gargano and Champa since they turned up on the Cruiserweight Classic. They have consistently entertained. I swear to God, your your use of uh, Jesus, your use of the word uh, swerve there, and me then saying I swear to God has just made me just break out in a fucking cold sweat and just gone. Ah, uh, no. What if he took Gargano to come goes away and then Vince Russo turns up <laughs> as, as the next NXT champion? Oh God, uh, no! But um, what was I, I was gonna? Oh, sorry, sorry. I one of the things Zoe has observed, which I really like, um, hmm. is that Johnny Gargano has a female vocalist uh, for his oh, entrance music, which yes! no other guys do. I, I mentioned this specifically during the, the opening. Like I I don't think I've seen in a very long time a male wrestler have a female vocalist on it. So the only one I could think of was um, Christian in TNA. Yep, yep. Get the Evanescence style song. And Candice LeRae yep. has a male vocalist on her entrance music. Hey, that's really cool. It is a I really like nice that. little thing. Um, and it makes it makes me laugh every time because I listen to a podcast called Tights and Fights. Mm. which is a podcast that treats wrestling with all the sincerity and hilarity that it deserves. Excellent. <laughs> and they open the show usually by doing a sort of comedy pastiche on a wrestler's intr- entrance music. Yeah. Usually one that's topical. And they, they were going to do Johnny Gargano until the guy was like, ah, ah, shit, I don't know Johnny's theme tune well enough to do it. And Danielle, the other host, was like, just sing any Paramore song. <laughs> I mean, she ain't wrong. She ain't wrong. Danielle is rarely wrong. Uh, I really like that show and recommend it. If you're listening to this, then you are already listening to a podcast. And if you are still listening to this at the two hour something mark, then Jesus. you clearly like wrestling. So you should probably check out Tyson Fights. It's a really good wrestling podcast. Yeah. But no, I, I remember pointing that out at the time and going, well, that's, that's really interesting. But I mean, I don't know if that's just me sort of having a sort of drawing interest in uh what's it called sort of um strange gender comparisons and pro wrestling I, there must be some kind of link there that that makes me interested in it i can't imagine what it might be but, you know. <laughs> well i mean it interested me for the same reasons um yeah, so. and i one of the things zoe loves about wrestling is that it is performative masculinity in the same way as drag kinging ooh that's like ooh, yeah she loved Enzo Amore when she thought it was an act. Yes, and we all thought it was an act for the longest time. Because he really was like a male drag king, because everything about him screamed overacted, overdone, performative masculinity in a way that, presuming it's an act, is ingeniously satirical. Right. Then we found out it wasn't an act and went right off him. Yeah. So, but... It's that thing of the 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 drag king performative masculinity because you look at the build up to Joe versus Styles. Yeah, because one thing we will say about AJ Styles is like the reason he took a contract with a company that he isn't hugely fond of or wasn't hugely fond of was because he was wanting to be reliably in America to be close to his family. He is a God fearing family guy. Uh, yeah, like I, it's the quote I always associate with AJ Styles that really always rubs me the wrong way. Is he's specifically saying I'm a Christian first, a husband and father second? And I'm I, like, Whoa. yeah, that's it's an awkward way of putting it. But he literally gave up his career in Japan 
took yeah. a deal that wasn't his first choice to be with his family. He is a family yeah. guy. Uh, I, I think a lot of Christians would say that he's got his priorities the right way around. You and I might not agree, yes. but I, I don't doubt his um, family devotion. No, absolutely not. I mean, just every time I see that quote, I'm just like, oh god, that really just uh, rubs me the yeah. wrong way. And Samoa Joe is a lovely guy. Yes, but the whole build-up to their whole thing with Samoa Joe being the AJ Styles is a wrestler, so he's on the road and never has to see his family. You know, it is that mm. performative macho bullshit. It is they are creating <laughs> this persona, this identity, and I, I love it. It's like. Um, so yeah, it is gender fuckery. Like all of wrestling is gender fuckery, if you want to put it that way. And then you put, and then you put it into the point where you have fucking Samoa Joe staring daggers into AJ Styles with his eyes bulging out of their sockets, going TikTok, TikTok. <laughs> like, oh my god, Joe, please stop. Joe makes a good heel for for such he, a lovely guy. He makes a scary ass heel. He also did a really really good interview where he didn't do his Samoa Joe voice. He was. They were asking him, like, "What's what do you reckon is the biggest problem you'll have in this match? Um, do you think AJ presents a threat in this regard and all that?" And he just gave really calm and measured responses. And I'm like, "This isn't really Samoa Joe. He's not re- talking really, really quietly, and then occasionally having one really <laughs> loud word." Like, oh, I'm gonna look forward to seeing that match at some point. Yeah, it's a good match. Yeah. Uh, they they did a lot of work with having AJ's family there at ringside. Aww. Which I've never actually seen his Given the build-up of the storyline, worked rather well. Yeah. With Joe talking directly to them. Oh, dear. In terrifying ways. <laughs> As only Joe can do. <laughs> cool. Anyway, we have been going over two hours now, so we should We have. I'm probably, sorry. No, I'm not. <laughs> okay, good. Because we've been talking about NXT, which I am so glad you're finally watching. We could we could do a week on week pay per view about a uh, pay per view. Fuck's sake! I'm so I'm so tired. We could do a week on week show. I'm sure we fucking could. Uh, and I'm up for it if you are. Cool. Sounds good to me. <laughs> but for now, you have been listening to Dangerously Unprepared. I have been Simon, and I have been Kyrie. Thank you for listening. Goodbye. Bye.